Glenn Clark Radio Show. This is Stan the Fan filling in for GCR himself, or GC, I guess. Did you forget his name? I thought you forgot his name for a second. What's that? I thought you forgot his name for a second. No, I just, uh, I know he likes to use that moniker, the GCR. Uh, GCR. But he himself is not GCR, he's GC. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Stan the Fan. Griffin Bass is across from me in the studios in Towson. Uh, for the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Here's what we've got for you today on the show. Griffin and I will be manning the post today. At 1020, we're going to talk to Lou Merloni of WEEI in Boston. I think he's with Nesson as well. So, yeah, so I, I, he's uh, an analyst for the Red Sox. So. Yeah, he's an analyst for the Red Sox. And we'll talk to him about what it's been like in, in Boston the last year and a half and how uh, how difficult it was for him to replace somebody I'm sure he was very friendly with, uh, Jerry Remy, who passed away a longtime uh, Major League Baseball infielder, mostly with the Angels, did play a little bit for the Red Sox, but ended up in the broadcast booth for, gosh, I'm going to guess over 20 years there in Boston, maybe closer to 25, 27. We'll talk to him at 1020, talk to him about uh, – the new, newest member of that Boston Red Sox team coming fresh off of the WBC championship, uh, Masaki Yoshida, Yoshida who yes. is a member of Route 66, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's that's what's really important. That's why you got to ask about him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Trying to get some information about, about your about fantasy baseball team. About yeah. my fantasy. It's all about that now. Uh, Lou Merloni joins us. We'll talk to him about how tough this is going to be for the Red Sox to climb from last place back to contention and whether or not they've got the pitching to do it. Uh, The offense will be formidable at times. Looks a little streaky to me, but uh, we'll see how Lou feels about the Red Sox chances to contend in a rather deep American League East. 1040, old friend Adam Gladstone, who is a former minor league umpire, also former uh, worked for Cal Ripken Baseball for a couple of years, also worked for the York Revolution for a couple of years, and then found himself, um, Griffin, as the video assist guy for the Baltimore Orioles under Buck Showalter. And he did that for, I believe, two seasons. But his latest incarnation, amongst many things that he does, is he is the assistant GM of the Team Israel entry into the World Baseball Classic this year, 2023 didn't go like it did in 2017 when Israel kind of snuck up on a lot of people and won actually four games. Uh, This year, I think they won one game, uh, Team Israel. But we'll talk to him, his experience, and a special part of his experience was a relationship he has with the Bat Boy for Team Israel this year. We'll talk to him about that. Well, at around 11 o'clock, we're, going to talk, we're not going to talk to Jeff Zereback, but Gary Stein and I had Jeff on Pressbox Live Zoom last night, and we'll, talk, we'll play parts of it, and Griffin and I will comment, uh, compare, contrast uh, about the Lamar Jackson saga as it goes on. At 11.20, Don Marcus, you all know Don Marcus, wrote for many, many years for the Baltimore Sun, and amongst his uh, many jobs that he did over the Sun in a career that probably was close to 30 years at the Baltimore Sun, 
And he, what he's mostly known for is his coverage of the University of Maryland basketball team. It's a passion for him. We'll talk to him, get his grade on how he thinks that Kevin Willard did in year one. Okay? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about opening day, but I want to remind everybody that... What you got here? We're talking about, talking about uh, pressboxonline.com slash offers, right? I'm going to do that, yep. And that is that baseball season is here. And for the very first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. That's right. You can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers to claim your incentive, and we'll also tell you that the Glenn Clark Radio Show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer. All right. Uh, how would your opening day go? My opening day, well, it didn't go that great because I made uh, three wagers uh, oh, on my uh, on one of my apps, and uh, the closest one I had, I bet, I bet a three-team parlay of the Atlanta Braves to win by more than a run and a half. Uh, the um, what was the second game I had? The Braves did win by a run and a half, so that's, yeah, you were they, looking good. They, they covered. I had Texas. My, with Jacob DeGrom on the mound, that game didn't end the way I envisioned it, but they did win by one and a half runs. They and did, then yeah. I went with the surest thing on the board was the Los Angeles Angels and Otani minus a run and a half. And they were up one nothing through about six innings. I think it was eight innings. And they didn't win the game even. Yep, so, but, yep. That, is, uh, that is how the Angels do. That is just what they do, I think. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. they have Otani do something that no one's ever done before and then – they blow it. That was against a team, the Oakland Athletics, maybe playing in their last or next to last season in Oakland. There at the uh, now it's called what the Ring Central. Is that what it is? Coliseum there. It's they had about it twelve names. I wonder yeah. if it's still Ricky Henderson Field. I think that's what it said, like at least yeah. behind home plate. Yeah, but how, in terms about. of your fandom, though, what did how did your team do? Like you know, uh, your, your hometown the, team. My, the Orioles? Yeah. The Orioles did amazingly well yesterday, although it proved to be uh, a nail-biter extraordinaire. The Orioles hold on to win 10-9. to They led in the late innings. Was it 10-3 or 10-4? It was 10-4 to entering the eighth. Through the eighth. Yeah. Through, well, entering, I mean, in, the into eighth. the bottom of the eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Sox scored three in the eighth and two in the ninth, and Felix Bautista wasn't picture-perfect yesterday, but he got the job done. Uh, and the Orioles came away with an opening day victory of 10-9. to nine. Uh, Kyle Gibson pitched well. Um, uh, unfortunately, I, I would have really liked to have seen him get through that sixth inning, and there was a misplay by who? Which misplay was that? There Was uh, was it Mullins um, misplayed a ball? Was it Santander? And Santander was having a day in the left. I, yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. I would have gotten um, Sunday when they were ahead, like uh, nine to two or eight to two. 
Satan there would have been out of left field and into the dugout. Yeah, for I me. think Mullen. I think it was Mullen. Mullen said, "Yeah." Anyway, they they quickly um, manager Brandon Hyde experienced enough to know that things can go nuts in Boston very quickly. Um, I, you know, I don't think he really counted on Gibson going like into the seventh or eighth, but I think he would have liked. He sent him out for the fifth, but with two runners on and nobody out, they opted to go to the bullpen. Uh, yeah. You know who and I thought Keegan looked and... really terrific yesterday was Keegan Aiken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, he's trimmed down. He's got rid of that punch that he has, and his ball was really hopping. He's grown some facial hair, too, I think. Uh, What's that? He's grown some facial hair, too, so I think uh, oh, it I didn't might, might all be part of it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, but they win 10-9. to nine. Uh, it, it, As we said, it became a nail-biter, but we got a historical uh, – uh, situation yesterday with Adley, not the Trump indictment. No, Adley Rutschman went five for five, and he becomes the first catcher ever on opening day. Yeah, to go f- five, to have five, five hits. Yep, five right? hits on opening day. Okay, and not only that, five for five. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Do you have any observations about the game or anything that I mean, looked as particularly I special think, for the hometown nine? I think. Uh, I think. Um, you know the. The bullpen is, is once again, I think, is going to be a strength. Obviously, it showed yesterday that they were missing Dylan Tate and they were missing Michael Givens. Um, so once they and come they're back, they're missing DL Hall. They're missing DL Hall. So uh, once once they come back, <laughs> I'm laughing because apparently Mike Elias doesn't agree with us. Oh, that DL Hall that should DL be out there. Is a relief pitcher. They're stretching him out. Oh, that, He's too way on. too valuable. He's shown so much value at the major league level so far yeah. as a starting pitcher. You know, at one start. In Tampa last year, they are making a huge mistake with DL Hall. You think so? With DL Hall, huge mistake. um, But yeah, I mean, so once I mean Brian Baker, I don't think will last very long. We'll see. I mean, he did not look great yesterday. Obviously, he was getting he was getting hit pretty hard. Um, And but you know, I mean, if the offense is going to be like this every single night, then I mean, this is going to be a really fun team to watch day in and day out, whether the bullpen shows up or not. So yeah, so yeah, well, it was good. It was good. I, you know, I don't take that much away from Brian Baker. He had a great second half of last year while the rest of the yeah. bullpen kind of faded. He stepped up late in the season the last six weeks and really held it together a little bit. Uh, but uh, So I'm not taking too much away from that. But he did – he and Michael Bowman ended up beating out – and and uh, what's his – Logan Gillespie? Yeah, Gillespie. They ended up – Making Bowman and Glasby made the team, and Joey Crable did not make the team. He was optioned to uh, Norfolk. So, again, Orioles win ten to nine Saturday afternoon. I believe at two two o five four ten four ten. That's right. Like I said, four one o baby. And who's pitching? Is it Kramer? Sale? Yeah, Kramer Krail versus Samer. Okay, Sale for the Red Sox. Kramer. For the Baltimore yeah, Orioles, okay. and then they'll close out the three-game stand in um, in Boston at one thirty-five on Sunday. Uh, and is that uh, Irvin Cole, Cole Irvin? Irvin, is Cole Irvin versus okay. Tanner Houck for Boston. Tanner Houck for Boston. Yeah. Okay. Did not have a good spring, Tanner no. Houck. No, not a good spring. Um, We'll we'll talk more oils later, but right now we got to take care of the thing behind it, right, Stan? That you mean the what? thing that's brought to you by Glory Days Grill? That is the exact thing I'm talking about. Good food, good, good sports. sports. Glory Days Grill. Yeah, Love and it. that is the Lamara meter. The Lamara, yeah. Yeah. How are we feeling today? I mean, how does this thing? Uh, don't you run it through the computer chip? 
Uh, yeah, so the way it works is that I am actually running it through the computer. It just needs your hand on it at the same time. Yeah, at the same time in your hand. Oh, God, are you moving it down, Stan? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, okay, wait okay, a minute. okay. We were at 70% yesterday, and, you know, that was kind of on the that was on the heels. So Drew put it at 82%. Oh, you, so is that is that your final spot? You're moving it up? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 78%. Go ahead and talking, to, talking to Jeff Zreback last night, this thing has, is broken, you know, the relationship between Lamar, but I don't know where both sides go at this point, you know? Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a full week or so, uh, since Lamar now has come out with the, uh, uh pronouncement that he in fact did uh, request a trade on March the 2nd. Uh, and there hasn't been, so the, the Ravens know that he's willing to, to be traded, wants to be traded. They've also tagged him with a non-exclusive tag that means teams understand that they can come and negotiate with Lamar and come to an agreement with Lamar and the Ravens can match that agreement or trade them to that team and get that team two two first-round picks from that team. Do we know, are the rules that they would be consecutive year number one picks? Yeah, I mean, so essentially, that that's like kind of the minimum. However, I mean, if a team, if Lamar says I'm not playing for the Ravens, and right. a team comes in and they and they're like, we're gonna be able to get a deal done, the trade can essentially be whatever at that point because they're just gonna trade. So over that could be the a player team. and two other, like a first, mm-hmm. that's a player so, yeah. and a third or yes, something. Yeah, so that's kind of how the conversation is going with the 49ers. Like the 49ers would throw in Trey Lance, probably another first, probably like right. two or three first round picks right. at that point. Just because But they have this guy, Purdy, that played pretty, pretty well last year. So I don't know that's that right. they're in the market for Lamar Jackson. Well, I mean. And you know, I, I read the, the Lions. The thing though is, is Brock Purdy's very expendable. He was a seventh round pick. He was, he was right. Mr. Irrelevant. Right. So if you move on from him, it's easy. And yeah. like. Yeah. It's not like it's not. I mean, Trey Lance. That's why they've kind of. I think that's kind of why they came out and said, "Brock Purdy, we're going to move forward with Brock Purdy as our as our leader." Is what yeah. I think uh, the 49ers yeah. said, and and it's and they they couldn't say that. So about how Trey would Lance. how would acquiring Lamar Jackson help clarify their quarterback situation? What it would do? Well, would I guess Lamar tr- would be the quarterback. It would get tr- Trey Lance out of there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, because I, I don't see them very interested in Lamar Jackson and. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think there there needs to be a little truth spoken here, and that is that the way Lamar has conduct- conducted himself in negotiating with a top organization in the National Football League, and this isn't me speaking as some sort of homer. Um, uh, I just think I just think, and, and you'll hear a couple of th- quotes, and then Griffin and I will bat it back and forth around eleven o'clock. Uh, from our Press Box Live interview last night with Jeff Zreback. Gary Stein and I interviewed him. Um, I think just from the get-go, how long it took him to come to the table, what what was he waiting for that he only decided to really negotiate, jumpstart negotiations at the beginning of training camp last year? What what was wrong with all of the previous offseason when he still had tremendous value? Now he's had... Now he's had two seasons in a row where he's missed substantial time at the end of a football season. I think his value has gone down markedly uh, with the way he's handled himself, and that's why 
the Lamar meter today, from my point of view, is trending up, that he will remain a Baltimore Raven. It might not be the happiest thing in the world for him, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not John Harbaugh and DaCosta, Steve Bashotti can somehow make peace out of all this and get a productive Lamar Jackson playing quarterback for the Ravens. Uh, I personally would really root for a different outcome at this point in time. I think the fractured relationship is not really repairable. On a personal level, it might be repairable down the road. You know, when Lamar Jackson is 38 years Mm -hmm. old – and comes back here maybe to go think, into the ring of honor yeah. or something you like that. You do think it's reparable enough, though, that he'll be back for at least one season, I think at least it's, week one? I think both sides don't have a lot – don't have favorable options at this point in time. You know, one of the teams I heard that could be interested would be the Detroit Lions. Who's their coach, the former uh, – Dan Campbell. Dan, Dan Campbell. Campbell, former player. You really I think Dan Campbell – wants to create a whole new offense surrounding Lamar Jackson last uh, this for this coming season right now. I, think, I don't see it. I think he I think he would I mean the way that those players would, you know, come, would, you know, come to Lamar Jackson's, you know, aid and, you know, his support, right. bring him in that Dan Campbell would do that cuz he at this point he seems like a very very probably one of the best player coaches in the in in the league right now. So I think yeah, it, it, well, it doesn't sound very easy. Uh, I think if well, if if, uh, from, if, from, if they could pull it off, I think he would. From do my it. point of view, getting like maybe a first round and a third round and Jared Goff seems like a a a good deal to me from where the Ravens are sitting right now. It gives him a very competent NFL quarterback. He's not a top tier quarterback, although he has had moments. He did lead a team to to a Super Bowl couple of years ago, uh, albeit a, a team that lost. They lost that game to the uh, Tampa Bay, right? Who does? The, the Rams. Uh, the Rams The Rams won the Super Bowl in 2022, so the 2021 season. Right, but the year before, I think, or the two Yes, yeah, they lost to Tampa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they lost to Tampa yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, all right. So, anyway, uh, that's what we have. The Lamar meter brought to you Lamar. by Glory Days Grill. Good food. Good sports. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing on the Glory Days menu, Sam? I, I, they have an incredible uh, New England clam chowder oh. that is rather fantastic. And I really like a good BLT, and they make a good BLT over there. Yeah. So I, I think I get, I, I, it's because of Glenn. Glenn's put me on it, but those smoky thigh wings with the Korean number two. That's, right. that's, that's a go-to. Well, you guys are exotic eaters. <laughs> There's no question of that. You're very risk, risk-oriented eaters. No question about that. I guess that. so. Hey, O's fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's right. Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection. Look at that shirt, the Gunnar Henderson special. All right. He's created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you, from the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs. Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride, and with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. Don't wait. Head to Birdland Sports today and show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. All right. What's next? 
We will be talking a little. We'll talk more more baseball after opening day yesterday. We've Those got Red Lou Maloney on the line. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, joining us is former uh, Major League Baseball infielder Lou Maloney. Lou, Stan the Fan in Baltimore, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? We're, we're good. You're better Gri- yesterday, aren't you? Griffin Bass is with us here in studio. Uh, first of all, have you thawed out since yesterday? <laughs> I'm sorry, have I what? Thawed out. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit... Uh... A little bit chilly. Sun was out, just wasn't working. So right. it's just what happens in the Northeast. And at least it wasn't raining. Hey, like I want, Saturday. I want to talk to you before we talk, dig into the Red Sox. You replaced yeah. uh, or were one of the replacements for kind of a broadcasting icon in Boston and Jerry Remy. Um, you're, yeah. On opening day, I'm sure your mind had to turn to Jerry a little bit. Yeah, I think it has for a lot of people, you know, even like down in spring training. Um, you go down there and you hear a lot of people talking about Jerry Remy and some of the things that, you know, people are just accustomed to old stories. So uh, I don't think there's any question about it. You don't do the job as long as he did. And you mean a lot to Red Sox fans. You're in the living room every single day. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a day of remembering, you know, one of the greats. Yeah, from us, at least. no question about it. And the baseball family lost a really good person, much like they did a yeah. couple of years ago in Nick Cafardo, who passed away. So, uh, my thoughts are with you on that. Uh, tell us a little bit about your perception of this club this year, the Boston Red Sox. Well, I think that's one of the things with everybody, kind of trying to figure out what the plan is, like what's the direction. Now, they have some young guys on this roster. Uh, they filled them with a bunch of older players, some veterans. Um, but to me, it's like their vulnerability really got exposed yesterday. You know, when you have guys like Bale and Whitlock – a week or two away from joining this rotation, you take guys like Crawford and Houck out of the pen and put them in the rotation, and they just don't have enough depth out there to do that. And you saw it yesterday with guys like Brazier and guys like Ort trying to come in to try to keep the game close, and they just couldn't. So, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit thin. There's questions about the depth. The lineup is okay. The rotation, when you get those two guys in, it will be okay. It's just I always worry about the bullpen. But really, it's more of a big-picture thing for Sox fans. Like, what's the direction? Like, when – when do they turn back into the Red Sox again? Like, when do they sign big-time free agents? You know, when are, they, when are they one of the top two teams in the division, not battling for the final two spots? It's just the way it is right now. Lou, how, how shocked were you? And I know you work for the club now, and uh, you're a straight shooter. How, how, how shocking was it to you that they really didn't make a more sincere effort to sign Xander Bogarts? Yeah, I think that's kind of leads to the whole, like, what is going on type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're really kind of locked in on this whole, like, you know, an extension, an extension, and when we get the free agency, we'll offer a free agent contract. Well, you know, a lot of times when you when you lowball a player, they don't forget that. Yeah. And when you get the free agency, you just invite other teams to go nuts, which is what the Padres did. I think everybody was in the seven-year ballpark for Xander. And they felt like in the end, you know, they could kind of make a final offer and maybe get him back to Boston. But when San Diego won 11 years, everybody just sort of washed their hands with it and said, yeah, I don't want any part of that, which I would agree with. The problem is if you had offered, you know, a five-year 150 in spring training when the extensions were supposed to be happening instead of four years, $90 million, just sort of seems out of touch with the market. And I think that was sort of the big question that fans had. Um, you know, why not wrap this thing up? You didn't have to go 11 years. You could have gotten him for five or six back in March last year. And because of that, the you know, last season, it's sort of like, 
hung over everybody. Dark cloud, right? Bogey's on a one-year deal. Vasquez on a one-year deal. A ball beat, J.D. Martinez, your leaders. Yeah. And that's a tough way to play 162 when none of your leaders know what the future holds. Do you think that the game plan, which, which ran askew, was that, hey, we're going to get a cheaper version of our shortstop in Trevor's story, and then we'll be able to take the hit of Bogart's leaving, and that fell apart with the injury to story? Yeah, I think that was a lot behind the story signing, you know, um, a year ago, that he could take over shortstop. Obviously, the arm injury um, kind of hurts that. But it's a game of adapting. You know, it's a game about having enough depth to adapt to one, you know, injury or two injuries. You know, and that's what it's all about. So it's, yeah, you know, story was fantastic at second. I like to leave him there, especially yeah. with the ban of the shift. Yeah. Like second base athleticism is more important than ever. You know, so... um yeah, I don't think every plan works out the way you expect, but I think that's part of kind of adapting on the fly. How much, before we talk about Hyam Bloom's plan, how much of the plan was sort of like how a team will have a tough manager, he gets fired and they get a player's manager? How much of this move from Dombrowski to Bloom was frugality on John Henry's part, wanting to be able to field a more nimble financial situation around his payroll. Yeah, I think John Henry is always kind of his eyes are open to the financial aspect of baseball, the business side of it, and long-term deals. And, you know, we all want to keep the stars. You know, I always said I want to fast forward five or six years from now and see what all these 10-year, 12-year contracts that sign guys that are 40, 41 years old, what they look like then. But apparently no one's worried about it, you know. Um, They just keep doing it. I think that the move to Bloom was Dave Dombrowski at the tail end of his, uh, his tenure here. I think him trading away prospects and gutting the system is overrated. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the prospects the Red Sox have coming up in the big leagues right now are from Dave Dombrowski. Yep. And the number one farm system in all of baseball when Dombrowski traded away didn't really produce a major leaguer that you, that you missed. It just didn't. No, nobody that he traded away has, has ever done, did, really did well at a high level. He looked at Time Bloom and said, okay, there's another way to win. You know, and I still think he wants to win. I don't think it was about saving money. It was just the game has evolved. You can't win like that. So let's try to find another way to win. And here we are year four. And depending on how this year goes, nobody really knows what John Henry is thinking. But the previous two general managers were all let go after year four. So we'll see how that impacts <laughs> this team and Bloom's future. Uh, I mean, uh, so Lou, you've covered you know you've covered this division for a long time now, the AL East, and it's you know one of the best in baseball. Like, how do you how do you kind of look at this division entering this season? Obviously, it kind of, everyone kind of expects the Orioles and Red Sox to be at the bottom, but we've seen before you know teams in this division have gone from the top to the bottom or bottom to the top, and vice versa. Yeah, you know, as far as like the bottom, I, I think there's a reason why people are talking about Boston and Baltimore in the bottom. You know, I think Baltimore's though trending up. You know, I always joke about the gambling aspect of it. People say, what well, do you think? It's Red Sox 78 and a half. I said, well, I like it, the over, but not as much as Baltimore's over 60, 76 and a half. You know, I think that it's a good team. Um, but it's still, the, it's still the Blue Jays and Yankees and Rays, in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure much has changed, especially with the Rodon injury in New York. We'll see how he rebounds, but I think that's still a flawed team. I think the Blue Jays, everybody keeps waiting for them to kind of – grab a hold of the AL East, and for some reason they refuse to do so. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay is going to go win 90 games, and they're going to be in the postseason because they do it with pitching, and they do it with a solid lineup, one through nine. 
And you, I mean, so you talk about the the win total numbers there. Why do you think so many people are you know are predicting regression for the Orioles? I mean, this team won eighty three games a year ago, and now they're they're going to have more young guys coming up. You, you you expect the rotation to continue to get better, I, I would think at least. So, and why do you yeah. think people will see regression for them? Well, I, you know, I can't speak for the people that do it, but personally, I was a little disappointed in the off season. I thought the Orioles were ready to take off. I thought they had some great young talent, and. You know, as much as I like Adam Frazier, but I feel like that was the only addition. I felt like there was a, a veteran bat out there that's done to put with the kids. I felt like there was, you know, a veteran arm, even though I like, you know, Gibson. I, I saw Irvin in camp. I thought he looked fantastic. I just felt like they could go kind of all in a little bit, you know, with some guys for the next five or six years because they have such good young core. And, you know, a lot of it last year was, the, you know, the rotation was okay. The lineup was good. The bullpen was fantastic. I think people look at bullpens as saying, oh, it can go up and down. A great guy has a great year in the bullpen, and he could be awful the next year. So maybe that was a little bit of the decision-making, but after watching them and seeing them in camp, I still think it's a very good lineup. I think their pitching is better than maybe people want to give them credit for, and I still think their bullpen's legit. So uh, it's a fun team. I don't think Adley's going to get five hits every single night, but it's fun <laughs> to watch. Hey, uh, Lou, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I wanted to circle back and grab a couple of questions about the Red Sox, but wanted to get your take on the new rules so far. I mean, yeah. when I say so far, they've played one game over the regular season, but you saw it in play, saw the new rules. Your thoughts on what they'll do to the game? First off, I like, I like the rule. I think the pitch clock is long overdue. The problem with the pitch clock is that now we have to react to it. And by that, I mean, okay, well, if we have a pitch clock, well, it's going to prevent someone from just stepping off. Okay, you know what? Let's let him throw over twice. Uh, okay, well, if, if he's got to throw in 15 seconds, what if the hitter's not alert? Okay, we have to make the hitter alert at eight seconds. And we're trying to speed the game up, so the guy's got to throw this last warm-up pitch at 30 seconds. I, I feel like it's, I'm trying to find the middle ground, you know, of the hitter alert thing is one I really don't like. I feel like it should be better in the box at eight seconds. Like as a hitter, like yesterday, Devers kind of peaked and the pitcher wasn't ready to throw. So he just sort of looked back down again and they banged him for, you know, strike three. So I, I feel like that's where the adjustment has to come. I like it in the game. I do worry about the postseason. I do. Because I, I, I think the, you know, the extra time adds stress, adds drama. It's the beauty of it. Um, you look at that WBC, Otani versus Trout. I don't want to rush that. Yeah. I want that to breathe a little bit. You know what I mean? So I, we'll see postseason. Um, but as we saw yesterday, I think in that late inning, seven, eight, nine is when we're going to start seeing some violations because the game's on the line. And t- players are just used to sort of taking a little bit more time. So what do you think about, about this? Let me just run a, a, a grand picture by you. Two years from now, let's say, they introduce the robo-umpire behind home plate, calling, yeah. ball, calling balls and strikes. I think that's going to actually take another 10 to 15 minutes off of games. There's no, no hint of grumbling, you know. Uh, I think that's going to speed the game up even more. What do you think about the, the compromise being the first six innings, the rules are this way, but seven, eight, and nine or extra innings, they revert back to something a little slower so baseball can milk the drama of close baseball games. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a discussion to be had. I mean, we'll see the umpires, you know, in the minor leagues, what that does to the game. Um, I just think it's going to be hard for like a reliever to sit there and say, you know, like today you come in in the sixth and you're a pitch clock tomorrow. The next time you're out there in the eighth and you can take your time. Good point. I think that's good, going to be hard no, for them to point. adjust. Um, yeah. So 
I was surprised that the pitch clock was 15 seconds. I just thought 20 was universal. Like, I'm not trying to make the guy that throws the ball at 24 seconds, 23 seconds speed up. I'm trying to stop the guy that throws it at 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are the guys that annoy the hell out of me. Yeah. So, for me, it's like 15 to 20. I, felt like, I thought there would be an adjustment period. I thought there would be like 20 and 24, maybe year one. Let's see how it goes. Let's use our data. Let's find out that most guys are throwing it at 18. Okay, fine. Let's go 18, 24. Whatever. Something like that. The game's going to speed up with a pitch clock. But now they've added a lot of things because of it that at times pop up and make it look a little clunky. Interesting. Interesting. Circling back to the Sox before we let you go, uh, tomorrow uh, Chris Sale hits the mound. This is an important season for him and his tenure in Boston. What did you see this spring yep. from Chris Sale? I saw a healthy Sale. His worst outing was actually against the Orioles. He gave up nine hits, six runs in camp. And that was the day where he, he did not have a slider, which is the last thing I worry about because I've already seen it three or four times in camp. And it's still a very effective bearing in on righties. I see a guy throwing 95-96. That's really, it sounds stupid, but that's really all I want to see from him. And, and the power back in his game and the fact that he's healthy. You know, the changeup was playing. So it's like I, I can't predict another bicycle incident. You know, I can't predict right. another line drive broken pinky. But as far as his arm goes, it looks healthy, and that's all that matters to me. So I don't know. Is the rain going to affect these guys tomorrow? We'll see. But I expect him to, uh, to be strong as long as he's out in the mound. All right. Got to circle back. One question about the uh, biggest signing yep. of the offseason is outfielder Masataka Yoshida, who was a star of the WBC. Yeah. Uh, your early impressions of him as a player? Very impressed with watching him swing the bat. You know, he's a little guy. He's 5'8", and it's absolute bombs. Like, I, I didn't think he had that power. It's like an easy approach. You could see why he sees the ball very well. There's not a lot of action in his swing. Um, and he came over and signed as a leadoff guy because it was on base percentage. And I think over time, in BP and then World Baseball Classic, all of a sudden now, Cora has switched to having him hit fourth. So I think, you know, he's a run producer. I think it's a good signing. Red Sox took a lot of heat for giving this guy $18 million. And by the time it's over, I think it'll look like a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's the way it looks to me. I love watching yeah. I love watching professional hitters that control at bats. And that's what he does. That's what our guy Rutschman does. It's what a guy like Paul yep. O'Neill used to do. Uh, I love watching that. It's a real art to that. Hey, Lou, many thanks yeah. for spending a few minutes with us today. Okay. You got it, guys. All Anytime. Right. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thank you, buddy. All right. That's Lou Merloni, uh, sidekick on Boston Red Sox broadcast, uh, sidekick analyst uh, on Boston Red Sox broadcast, both on the radio, WEEI in Boston, and on Nesson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good guy. Uh, very popular hire there to replace Jerry Remy. The Baltimore County Police Department is hosting a hiring camp tomorrow at the Public Safety Building in Towson. That's right. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, this is your chance to complete multiple stages of the hiring process, including the agility test, interview, personal history, and review and fingerprinting. The Baltimore County Police Department has competitive salaries, signing bonuses, and great opportunities for advancement. To participate in the camp, you have to sign up today by calling 410-887-5521. That's 410-887-5521. And if you want to learn more, 
visit BaltimoreCountyPD.com. Adam Gladstone will be up in just a couple moments. Uh, We'll take a time out here on the show. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcm.com md.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms the baltimore county police department is hiring entry-level officers started over sixty thousand dollars and over sixty four thousand dollars for lateral officers with ten thousand dollar signing bonuses available plus cadets started over thirty two thousand great benefits are available like medical dental and vision insurance tuition reimbursement 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit career advancement to more than 20 specialized units and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans a passion for service a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Actually, it's Stan uh, sitting in for Glenn Clark. He'll be back on Monday to host uh, the show named after him, Glenn Clark Radio. Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North is the place to be for Monday's college basketball championship game. The game will air on Guilford Hall's 22-foot screen. 
with food and drink specials during the game, including all-you-can-drink beer for just $25. If you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance to check it out. See you at Guilford Hall Monday night for the college basketball title game. Wonder who's going to be in that game. My picks right now would be San Diego State really? versus Connecticut. I don't think I can pick against FAU at this point. They just, I, mean, I think I pick, picked against them every single round, you yeah. know, just doing a bet. And, yeah. uh, you know, they've, they've gotten me every time. So, so right. I probably will bet on them. And then, yes, yeah, San Diego State will win just because right. I can't predict this FAU team. Do we have Mr. Gladstone with us? We do. By the way, I just wanted to complete uh, the the Lamar meter. My reason for it being set at seventy eight percent, I don't think the team. And it's brought to you by Glory Days Grills, uh, good good food, good sports. Uh, is that I don't think either side has much of a wiggle room of how to get through the twenty three twenty four season. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. All right, joining us now is an old friend, Adam Gladstone. He happens to be, and I hope I get this right, Adam, you are more or less the assistant general manager of Team Israel. Is that the right position title? Yeah, you know what? Director of Baseball Operations, assistant GM, gopher, whatever whatever needs to be done, I'm there. I like assist, uh, uh, director of baseball operations because that's that's really – Let's get to the core of what you do for Team Israel, Adam Gladstone. At its core, it's you help you help figure out who who are potential options to be on Team Israel's uh, roster. Is that correct? You know, I think I'm a resource. We we had a pretty good um, staff in place this year with uh, obviously Ian Kinzer and Brad Osmus and Kevin Euclid and Jerry Naren and Tiger Peterson and and some scouts. And, and we really got a lot of help from a lot of the front offices around baseball this year um, because of their connection to Judaism, connection to Israel, and uh, everybody pitched in. And, and I think that it was all hands on deck. And, um, you know, it's funny. It was the best team, talent-wise, we ever put on a field, but it was our worst result we ever had mainly because we faced, um, you know, put it in soccer terms, we were in the pool of death, and we're facing Puerto Rico, Major League All-Stars, the Dominican Republic, Major League All-Stars, Venezuela, Major League All-Stars, and and you can see how far we've come, but still yet how far we have to go to get on that level of of play. In other words, the way the pools are put together, Adam, does it reflect almost like how the NCAA will have – a 16 playing a one right off the bat. Were you in, was it intentional to give a team that they don't believe can really contend for the championship a tougher road to even get there? I think that's, I think that's definitely true. And I'll give you an example. The last time the WBC was played was in 2017. There were 16 countries this time in 23, there were 20 countries. So we were in, we were the 16th ranked country out of 16 countries in 17. We had to go across the world to Korea. We had to play opening night against one of the top three teams in the world in, in Korea. And we had to play them opening night in their ballpark. And then we had to turn around and come back and play the number seven team in the world, uh, Chinese Taipei, at 12 o'clock the next afternoon. So obviously, yes, I mean, you have to run the gauntlet. But the bottom line is, if you're going to move on, you got to play these teams eventually. 
And yeah. we never we never looked at it that way. Um, you know, look, we were happy to be there. Um, the good thing for us is we won our first game, which again was which was against Nicaragua, who actually had to play the night before um, at you know an evening game and turn around and play that twelve o'clock game the next day. We played them, we beat them. That was our only win, but that win qualified us for the next World Baseball Classic in twenty six. So you you all you know you'll be in it in twenty six already. Yeah, correct. We've already we've already reached our requirement. What that was was because they expanded to 20 countries and there were five teams in each pool, the top four teams advanced. We were the, we were fourth, and the fifth-place team has to re-qualify again. Interesting, interesting. One of the things I observed, Adam, was that the New York Mets, who are owned by Stephen Cohn, a, a Jewish businessman, a mega-wealth uh, they ended up playing the New York Mets to get ready for the World Baseball Classic. I then start scratching my head, and I said, Adam knows Buck Showalter. They worked together when you were video assist. How did that come about? You know what? It was, it was funny because Buck and I had been in conversation about a lot of things as it pertained to Team Israel. And Buck has an affinity for Team Israel because a lot of the people that have helped form that team – he has personal relationships with. You might and be. It might be one of the only things that he and Dan Duquette both had affinity for. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> um, it long, so long story short, Buck and I talked about it. Um, the Mets were on board to host us in a game, but Major League Baseball made the decision uh, for us to play uh, the Miami Marlins, also owned by a Jewish owner. Okay. Also to play the Washington Nationals, owned by the Learners, also a Jewish owner family. So, you know, we couldn't really argue with it. Um, I will tell you the greatest thing about our relationship with the New York Mets uh, when it came to the WBC was the fact that Major League Baseball uh, gifted us our own PR director. And our own PR director for this most recent uh, World Baseball Classic Israel Club was Jay Horowitz. Oh, my God, and yeah. Yep. It was an absolute pleasure and honor to work with him and spend time with him. He's a P- he's, he's a PR a- he's a PR legend. Yep. There there's there's not many people that have major league press boxes named after them. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Griffin, you got a question for? Yeah, sure. uh, yeah well, we're Adam? talking about Buck, uh, and obviously uh, he's with the Mets now, and you worked uh, you worked closely with him for a couple of years here in Baltimore. What do you think like his ceiling is with the Mets? Maybe this season, even the season after, now that you know he's got an owner that is clearly behind him and willing to spend money. Well, his ceiling's the World Series. I mean, let's not make make any bones about it. I mean, he's there for one reason and one reason only: it's to get the Mets back to the World Series, and it's for him to solidify his ability to get into the Hall of Fame by, you know, does he get in there? He might get in there regardless of winning a World Series, but he is there to win a World Series, and he's being given all the resources. And if there's anybody that can deal with the um, unfortunate injuries that seem to come the Mets' way, it's a guy like Buck who thrives in that situation of just making sure that he can cobble a staff together and get to that point where once he gets all hands on deck, um, He'll get that club going. I think last year really left. It sounds funny. They won over 100 games. Uh, they were the best team in the NL East up until the last week of the season. 
and for them not to win the NL and not make it to the World Series, I think really fuels his, his intensity to get them back, and he will leave and stand those. He will leave no stone unturned to get back to that level. You know, in the immediate afterglow, or not afterglow, but the after effects of uh, uh, Edwin Diaz's terrible injury, you know, I I was kind of pissed off at the World Bay. I said, yeah, this thing is ridiculous. And then I calmed down, of course. That could have happened in any way, shape, or form. But I, I know you know Buck pretty well. He didn't spend... I'm guessing more than one minute, 60 seconds of, oh, shit, this happened. You know, it was more, how do I get, how do I figure this out? You know him a little bit. How quickly did he move on from the, oh, I can't believe this happened to us, to, well, we got to move, Robertson will go, you know, in other words, he, his gears were moving immediately, weren't they? Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, the only thing I felt bad for him was the timing of the injury, literally, because it happened after a night game. Right. So I know his phone was getting blown up. He and Billy Epler were already having conversations. They're trying to figure out who they're, what moves they're going to make. And I just, I just hoped it didn't affect his sleep for that one night. Because I know that, you know, when you're, when you're in this game, and I did it not at his level, but when I did it in the Atlantic League, and we had a guy that, you know, we lost to an organization or we lost to an injury in the beginning of my career, it was, woe is me. And then Joe Klein very quickly said, these are opportunities. Yep. They're not negative. Yep. Find a way to get it done and overcome this. And, and I think that's the professional way, you know, that's the difference between amateur and professional. You're not going to sit there and, you know, bitch about it. You're going to figure out a way one, two, three, A, B and C options of how to overcome this until you can get someone like that that back. And you know what? For the, for all the people that were blasting the WBC, were they blasting Gavin Lux for getting hurt in yeah. prior to the WBC? Were they you know were they blasting Justin Verlander for having a tweaked hamstring? So the things that happen are baseball things, and they happen. You know, and, and the thing that Edwin Diaz occurred happened. It wasn't even technically a baseball thing. Right. It was a celebration. Yeah. And so, you know, th- those are. I was asked that question by another radio station. Do you think that Major League Baseball will curtail the WBC? And I just laughed because if you were in Miami like I was and you were part of those sellouts like I was every single night, granted in a different uh, different opportunity, this thing isn't going anywhere. No, and no. the momentum that this drew, and, and they asked me, hey, how do you equate what you saw in Miami to? And for, for us here in Baltimore – because I was in the clubhouse, I was in the dugout for when this happened. It was the Delman Young game after he hit that double in the in the playoffs every single night. Yeah, that's what it was down there. Yeah, well, they drew I think a million four for the entirety of the tournament. That's that's twice as much as the Oakland A's drew last year. You know, I mean, they did that in such a condensed uh, time period. And in so in so few games, it's pretty amazing. Dan, I I was after Israel got eliminated. Major League Baseball hired me to work on the replay system for the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the championship. And the championship game between USA and Japan, I sat in USA's dugout before the game during batting practice. Yep, because there was no place for me to stand on the warning track because of the throng of media that was 
told to me larger than any World Series game any from major anyone from Major League Baseball had ever been to. Help me with one thing though. I I I get how popular it is, but I tune into the semifinal game when the U.S. played Cuba. Right. Why Why am I looking at Efren uh, or whatever his name? Elena's uh, Ro, no. Who's the pitcher to pitch for Cuba? Uh, Roenis. Yes. Roenis right. Elias is pitching for Cuba. Why is that counter to what it feels like I should be seeing? In other words, how how do they get to to where the best pitchers in the game are somehow part of it, and the U.S. Well, plays a championship game? where Merrill Kelly, who's a, a decent major league pitcher, but that's not who the U.S. should be having pitch start that game. No, and, and I think what, I think what you're, what you're going to see is the guys like Mike Trout, um, the guys like Shohei Otani, who are now taking it personally, Yeah, who, who are going to go out there. Now, remember, there are a ton of restrictions placed on these players and pitchers yep. from um, not only – the World Baseball Classic and Major League Baseball to make sure that they put these guys in a position to be as healthy as possible to get back to their to their clubs, but also from the clubs themselves. So, and I'll give you a perfect example. Dean Kramer pitched our first game and was vital in us winning our first game against Nicaragua. Even though the WBC had a pitch count, the Orioles had a different pitch count that was less than what the WBC allowed, and we adhered to that. So we're there to make sure these players can help us. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, Cuba had, you know. I was so out of character. It would be like watching Superman and seeing the guy who played the Larry David's uh, cousin be the star in Superman or something like that. It just doesn't fit, you know. You, you know, it's, it was funny because if you, as you're watching the WBC and you saw the transition or, or, or the progression of Japan, and everybody was told Shohei Otani's not going to pitch. Shohei Otani's not going to pitch. Right. But then all of a sudden they get to the championship game, and it was fun watching him go back and forth from the dugout to the to the uh, bullpen, trying to get ready in case he was needed. You know, he was running a sprint back and yep. forth in between it. Yep. So it was. You know, but those are the things. And, and when you get a Shohei Otani, I mean, look, to have a Hugh Darvish in the eighth and a Shohei Otani in the ninth, and, and how about the guy that started the game the night before, Rory Sasaki? <laughs> There's some pretty good talent right there. Hey, um, Griffin's got a question. I got one more for you, and we'll let you get out of here, Adam. Uh, sure. Griffin Bass. Yeah, ahead. Adam. Uh, so, you know, as we reel it back into to Baltimore, obviously you worked under a different regime than what they have right now, but what do you make of, you know, the job that Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde have done creating this current roster uh, that we see the Orioles putting out there right now? I mean, I think you have to be, obviously, um, excited um, for the most part, one through nine. Um you know, I still would have liked to have seen another veteran player or two to, to be on this club in, in some capacity because I think that's very important. Um, you know, I think the question mark is starting pitching. I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, obviously, you know, Michael Gibbons' injury doesn't help. Um, you've got some guys waiting in line, obviously Grayson Rodriguez, to come up. 
you know, as long as those guys can come up and have success at the major league level right out of the gate, then I think you're going to be good. Um, and, and look, this is it, right? This is the fifth year. This is year five of the rebuild. So let's go. And, and obviously it's fun to win that game yesterday. Um, you know, a little bit nail biting, but that's going to happen now. I'm um, still obviously since day one, but it's a W. I think, I think Boston, Boston is, is going to struggle this year as a whole, but everybody else in the AL East is just tough. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we let you go, there was one aspect of your uh, position this year, and I hope uh, I'm not telling tales out of school, but you had a pretty special bat boy uh, on Team Israel. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, this was my fourth go-round with the World Baseball Classic, and um, when Israel asked me about six months ago if I would be involved again, uh, part, of the, part, of that, part of the negotiation in my contract was, if I do this, my son, who's now 14, would need to be the bat boy. And they agreed, and they got Major League Baseball to approve it. And um, Jordan did a great, great job. He, he, uh, he was attentive. You know, he got to experience what it's like to live the Major League lifestyle for two weeks. I will also say this. Um, as good a job as he did and as much fun as he had with the permission of leaving or, or missing school for two weeks, um, when basically baseball asked me to stay on board for the final week, uh, he was ready to come home. So okay. we made arrangements for him <laughs> to get home. But he he absolutely loved it. And to a man, you know, to sit on the bus with Ian and, and uh, Brad Osmus and Jerry Nairn and to be on the field with those guys, helping them in whatever he needed to do, it was an extremely proud moment for me. And, and my wife and my daughter were able to come down and watch it and, and – uh, you know, besides not winning as many games as we wanted to, it could not have gone better. It was just a phenomenal opportunity and experience. Hey, last question. I, pr- I promise this will be the last uh-huh. one. You got to work closely with Ian Kinsler, and I know he was on the team previously. Uh, and you also, I know you've got a relationship with Brad Osmus. Will both of them manage? And I know Brad has had a couple managing jobs in the big leagues. Will he manage again in the big leagues? And what about Kinsler? I would say this, and, and, and not, to, not, to, not to spill it, but Ian kind of looked at me and he said, hey, in six years when I become a manager in the big leagues, can I call you? And I said, you can call me in six years. I, I, think, I think Ian's upside as a major league manager uh, with the Texas Rangers um, will happen. Um, Brad... I think it needs to be the right opportunity. Brad yep. is extremely intense. And, you know, he he had success in Detroit. Unfortunately, his time in, in Anaheim in L.A. was short-lived because of Joe Madden. Yep. Um, he was the number two guy to be the GM in, in uh, Houston. Um, it's got, and and he, was a, he was the bench coach in Oakland last year, and he turned down the opportunity to go back because he wants to be a part of winning baseball. Could both those guys step in? Brad could step in right now. Ian, I think, has the potential to be a long-term manager in the big leagues. All right. He is Adam Gladstone, and he's a director of baseball operations for Team Israel and a good friend. Uh, I'll give you a buzz this week. We'll grab that coffee. Okay, Adam? Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Really happy about that story about your son, Jordy. Uh, sounds like it was a remarkable 
uh, family experience. All right. We got some great pictures. I'll show it to you over coffee. All right. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. That's Adam Gladstone, uh, director of baseball ops for Team Israel. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second chance bets at points points bet when you deposit. Let me say that again. Get five second chance bets at points bet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. So maybe we shouldn't tail stand the fan picks. It kind of is uh, what 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 what, we're, what we learned from the opening of the show. Since your your parlay did not hit, no, okay, did so not don't, hit. Don't, I had don't three tail. parlays overall, oh, but okay. but the one that it looked last night, I said, oh, hey, this is easy. I got this one easy. You know, uh, we are going to talk a little bit now before our next guest, Don Marcus, joins us in about twenty minutes. I thought we'd do a little review of last night's press box live uh, Zoom. Uh, Gary Stein and I host one with sports newsmakers uh, on Thursday evenings at 7 o'clock. That's where it's live on Facebook Live. But you can see it right now on PressBoxOnline.com. Go to the video tab and it'll be there. Uh, we talk with it's not Jeff. The only, yeah, that's not the only show you did. You do this week. Do, no, do I did right? one Monday night with, with, uh, Ross, uh, with Ross Grimsley. Yeah. Who did you guys talk uh, to? Who did we talk to this past Monday? Um, it was a last-minute thing. You would ask me that. I find, I'll find out for okay. you. But you go uh, to the press box sports. It was uh, a baseball something or other. YouTube page. Ken Singleton, right? Ken Singleton. That's who yes. it was. It's a good I combo. I'm it. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ken Singleton. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Very insightful. Uh, but I thought we'd review a couple key moments from our interview with Jeff Zerebeck, uh last night. And you and I will uh, comment on them. My first question of the night uh, to Jeff Zerebeck last night was just, you know, he's watched this this uh, negotiation and for a long time lack of a negotiation for about 16 months. I asked him point blank, when did he finally think that this might, this might not work at all? We remember at the owners' meetings last year, Steve Bishotti made clear, we're going to be ready when he's ready. Um, Eric DeCosta and John Harbaugh had said similar, the ball's in Lamar's court. We're ready to talk. We're ready to pay them, pay him top-of-the-market type quarterback money. And they all said at that point, Lamar really wasn't, uh, you know, in position where he wanted to negotiate. And then Lamar showed up a couple days before training camp um and he changed his stance he told team officials okay i'm ready to do this so i thought they would get a deal done Uh, you know they had about four or five weeks there or five weeks or whatever over the summer before they sort of ended talks there late in training camp so we could focus on uh you know the season and uh once they did it get it done there i'm like eesh uh, I don't know. This is going to be a lot tougher than I thought. This is going to be a challenge. Um, and, you know, but I still, I figured Lamar would go out and have a monster year. Uh, they, they'd win a couple playoff games and, uh, you know, the Ravens would open the wallet and they'd get this done. But uh, obviously last year didn't go as, go as anybody had planned. And, and now I'm wondering if we're going to be in the exact same spot next year. That's the scary part. 
Yeah, so I mean that kind of kind of lays it out for you, and and that contributed to your reasoning behind your meter set, right, Stan? Like the fact that the fact that you know, you know that he didn't he doesn't have much doesn't have much he doesn't really have anywhere to go, I guess, at this point. Yeah, you know the the most interesting part of that was a reminder to fans who somehow think that the Ravens botched this or some something is how long they were the the word was. All during the 21 season and after the 21 season was over, they were trying to engage Lamar in the top of the top of the line contract. And that Watson contract that has screwed up the works here only came in because Lamar was, let's be honest, very dumb in not wanting to negotiate and very unprofessional in not wanting to negotiate. An agent would have been looking out for Lamar's best interest six, eight months prior to this and saying, hey, Lamar, if you get injured, you know, you're one hit away constantly from from being out of the game of football. Let's get some $130, $140 million guaranteed. He was very carefree, nonchalant about it. And then when he came in, the clock was ticking last year because nobody wants to have a negotiation going on during the season mm-hmm. so uh, that's my take on that yeah I mean I think you could still argue for Lamar I mean he he, he argued I mean at this point obviously he has not made himself money but the there's an argument that he that he still could have made or he still can make himself money because if, if, if he does have an agent then he likely gets you know a Josh Allen like deal and you know it's not fully guaranteed but you know it's like a four-year extension and he's gonna make uh, let's see what Josh Allen's at he, he signed like a 280 million dollar contract five-year extension I think um and uh and so you know you get something similar to that it's not fully guaranteed but it's still that you know that base salary of about uh of, of about like 40 45 million a year um but at, but he at, he's kind of setting himself up to try and make more money since he's been waiting and i don't think he's been against uh, uh you know negotiating with the ravens but i think he's pretty set on what he thinks his value is and and uh and yeah, but especially that now value that uh, that value has evolved the longer yeah. he's waited it's evolved to a what we've found and, a very unrealistic price tag for the baltimore ravens yeah and i think lamar just doesn't think that that i, I don't think he believes his value has gone down yeah so the, the word i used was probably Probably incorrect. It wasn't dumb. It was immature and not professional to the extent of, hey, you want you don't want to have an agent? Fine, but handle your business at the right time. And I don't think leaving themselves such a short window, last you know from July fifteenth to September eighth, that's a short window. You know when you're talking about those kind of dollars. That was an inexperienced person handling his business. Yeah, I mean, you can make yeah, that's a fair argument, and uh, but I've, I I still think Lamar is a, still a very smart you know person, and and I think he he is more than capable of negotiating a contract, negotiating the contract that I think he wants at this juncture. Um, he he may I I you know I'm with you. I think he he needs some help in that. All right. Uh, Gary Stein then posed a question about guaranteed money. Was this all about? Guaranteed money, and again, we talked to Jeff Reback last night of The Athletic. Here's what he had to say on that. I don't think that's a fact. I mean, at some point, I think he wanted that. Um, uh, what seems to be a fact, Gary, is he wants more total guaranteed money um, than Deshaun Watson got. So that's $230 million. 
So I think that's the bigger problem right now than a team saying we will fully guarantee every dollar of that deal. Um, but but again, as you said, uh, Lamar doesn't have anyone talking for him right now. Uh, you hear stuff. And, and so to say officially what exactly is important to him, what's the one thing he needs, that's really hard to do. But the sense around being around the owners meetings this week is it's not necessarily the full guarantee. It's the amount of guarantees that's been the major issue. Yeah, I mean, so so it doesn't have to be a fully guaranteed contract, but if he wants more than what Watson's getting, it's, I mean, this is what Glenn and I talk about almost every single day, is that these quarterback contracts are almost essentially fully guaranteed anyway, because because you're not going to get cut, the quarterbacks hardly ever get cut, and they're not going to get cut in the first, you know, two or three years of the contract anyway, because they're so lucrative, and if you cut a quarterback, you're going to have a $50, 60000000 million cap hit, and it's, it's yeah. impossible to do, so, I mean, it's all, it's really, it's just the owners against Lamar, and, and, and so... Well, it's also the NFL PA against the Ravens. Against, they've used Lamar. Not just the Ravens, against the owners, I think. Against the owners, but they they see Lamar as a key historic figure that is powerful enough to change the rules. I addressed that with Jeff Zerbeck last night and asked him the question, had he ever heard this comparison that Lamar now wanted to be or the NFL PA wanted him to be? the Kurt Flood of football breaking down new barriers in the relationship between players and owners. Oh, yeah, I've heard that, Stan. I absolutely have heard that, including Kurt Flood and uh, the desire uh, of, of the NFLPA and its leaders to get rid of the franchise tag uh, and have Lamar be the guy that winds up doing that. I definitely think... Um, and one of the things I think, you know, we talk so much about Lamar not having an agent. And I definitely think one of the hardest parts about this is, you know, there is a tremendous amount of pressure on Lamar to get a really good deal. And it just feels like it's not just the pressure to get a really good deal for himself and his family. It does feel like, in a sense, he's shouldering a little bit of the burden of trying to help out his quarterbacks behind him. Uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. If Lamar gets a fully guaranteed deal, they're going to keep falling in line. And now it's no longer a one one deal, one Watson deal uh, uh, aberration. When Lamar gets it, it becomes a trend that surely will lead to others. So I, I haven't talked to Lamar directly about it, but I do sense something like that would matter to him. Yeah, and if that's true, then waiting, that's why I think this we're still not anywhere near you know a solution to this because he could very well wait until Justin Herbert, wait until Joe Burrow, wait well, until Jalen Hurts get on the market. I not, was just, not necessarily the market, but the contract extension market. I, I just, well, Joe Burrow is on that now. Mm -hmm. uh, they came out, the club and Joe Burrow, and said, look, you're not going to hear a word about it until we have something to say, but they're quietly already working on extending him. And Joe Burrow will get that six or seven year deal before before camp starts this year. And There's I, no question. You think so? That the Bengals I mean, and Burrow will will work. A we'll, deal we'll, out. I think we're going to have to see how much you know how much support I guess Lamar Jackson's going to have from these other quarterbacks. Because if Joe Burrow does sign something before camp, uh, I mean, 
I don't like I don't see it being fully guaranteed and I don't see it being more fully guaranteed than Deshaun Watson and if that happens then I think Lamar's going to have to just kind of suck it up, you know? Like cuz yeah. at this cuz it's not it, like it's just not going to happen no. essentially. They're not if, giving if him Burrow's, Burrow's going to get a very lucrative contract. He wants to play in Cincinnati. Uh, he has an agent handling this for him, and mm-hmm. they'll get a deal done. Well, and I think since he does have an agent, though, like, is the agent really going to push that hard for a fully guaranteed? If uh, we don't, even, I mean, we don't even know if that's what Joe. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow would want that, but we don't even know how you know how much of a sticking point that is for Burrow, um, or even Hertz or even Herbert. Like, it's it's, it's that's what makes this all so difficult. You yeah. know, <laughs> no yeah. one has talked to them more. No I one. I agree with you. This is we're not. N- we're not. If you're sick of it already, which <laughs> I am, uh, we're not even close to the end of this. You know, yeah. it's gonna yeah, it's uh, gonna be a while. That meter may be up there uh, through the summer yep. and uh, even long and even yeah. longer. And what we did talk to Jeff about is how it's boxed in uh, Eric DaCosta. You know, it's an obstacle to fielding the team that he envisioned for 2023, and the, and the fielding a team that the fans really want to get behind and be excited about. And I think that excitement drifts out like that 78% chance that Lamar will be here. That's not an enthusiasm factor by fans. I think the fans realize that Lamar's – his personal interests are ahead of the teams, and every player should probably have that position. But it's really – we've never had a circumstance – where one player has tied up the entire team, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's you know that, that 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 and that's what makes it so much difficult. I mean, the only free agent that the Ravens have brought in is Nelson Aguilar, yeah. and you, you look around. That and says you think, it all right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And I also needed to tell you that the latest edition of PressBox is still available out on the stands. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full NLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state. And Bo Smoker breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at pressboxonline.com. Is we'll there ta- is there a receiver that you that might be on your wish list, Dan, that you that you would like to see the Ravens? They've still they're still linked to DeAndre Hopkins. They're still linked to Odell Beckham Jr. at this yeah. point. I mean Well they're not getting Odell Beckham Jr. You don't uh, think so? Odell Beckham Jr. will end up with the Jets as soon as they complete that uh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers deal. I would have liked to have seen Adam Thielen here. Yeah. I thought he would have yeah, been that an been interesting a good guy. I mean Definitely would have fit the guy. fit the build of you know aging vet that the Ravens go no after. Qu- no question about it. He would have been a good one, and we still would have been excited about it. Yep, we're going to take a timeout. When we get back on the show, the Glenn Clark Radio Show, Stan the Fan and Griffin and I will talk to none other than uh, adjunct professor at American University of Sports Journalism, Don Marcus, 
who used to moonlight covering the the Baltimore covering the Maryland Terrapins for the Baltimore Sun for twenty plus years. He's a great basketball mind. We'll talk to him next on the show. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.edu for more details. CCBC, apartment maintenance technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222. 2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now. Now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Stan The Fan back here uh, behind the mic uh, of the Glenn Clark Radio Show. We're going to be joined momentarily by uh, Don Marcus, who covered the Maryland Terrapins for years for the Baltimore Sun, uh, and now an adjunct professor of sports journalism at American University, but somebody who keeps a close, close eye on the Maryland Terrapins. We'll talk to him about his thoughts of the first season under uh, Kevin Willard. Uh, Just one quick thing, reminder, baseball returns tomorrow at Fenway Park for the Baltimore Orioles faithful. They will uh, play at 4.05. It'll be Chris Sale for the Red Sox on the mound. 
versus Dean Kramer back from the WBC and making his first start of the 2023 season. Orioles are 1-0, off and running by the by the chinny-chin-chin, uh, chin, the hairs on their chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Joining us now is an old friend, uh, and uh, literally, because I'm old too, uh, he's a good friend of mine, Don Marcus. Don, how are you, my friend? I'm good, and I am old too. Yep, yep. We we somehow got there. I'm not sure when, but it uh, it moved rather fast in the last few years. Hey, Don, you're now an adjunct professor of sports journalism at American University. And I know no, you, I'm not. I retired. You retired, retired from that. I've been plugging. That. I did. I'm 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 a full time pickleball and golfer right now. Pickleball player and golfer right now. Well, I got to start off. What do you think of this event that's coming on TV? The pickleball event with John McEnroe oh, and yeah. and Andy uh, Roddick. Uh, yeah, I like. I you know it's funny. Um, I I don't know if I'll watch it. It depends on. It's early on Sunday, right? I think Somebody so. Said. I think so. I'm not sure the time. Yeah, I might, I might be. I might be on the pickleball court, you know. And uh, if I am, maybe I'll tape it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's great. Uh, I, I I like Johnny Mac because you have to have you have to have a soft game at the net in yep. pickleball, and yep. he had the he had the softest, quickest hands, you know, when he played tennis. So, uh, and I always like lefties and you being st- one. And you still think he's got soft hands? I, you know what? Those guys don't lose it. They know, really don't. Know. You know who's playing? Yeah, honestly, you know who's playing, playing pickleball. I don't know if you remember the name, Carling Bassett. Sure. Uh, sure. She, John Bassett's daughter. She's yep. a regular at the place I'm playing down in Florida, and um, and uh, I actually got to play against. I played against her, and and with her a couple of times, and against her and her daughter, who's who's now like 11 years old, and she and Robert Seguso, her husband, right. are, 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 I think, are training her to, for the pickleball circuit. So it's pretty interesting, the, the, uh, the transformation of tennis players. You know, honestly, younger tennis players who probably don't see a future in, you know, or, or too hard a future, right. a lot of them are going to pickleball. Yeah, yeah. Well, how long have you played it now, Don? Since the spring, since the spring. But I, I, my line is it only took 69 years, but I finally found a sport that I was good at. All right, good so. good for you. Hey, one of the things that you, I know you did was you covered the Maryland Terrabin basketball team for, uh, I'm guessing, 20-plus 20, 20 years, Don? Well, not, you know, I, I covered them as a beat probably for about 15 years okay. and then I was around them obviously when other guys were covering and I was doing more national stuff and, and, you know, went to the final four with them and went to the sweet 16 with them when I wasn't even on the beat. Uh, so I, you know, and, and then, and then I finished up, you know, with, with, uh, with seven years on, uh, on, you know, covering, uh, covering, uh, you know, Mark Turgeon's, uh, yeah. you know, last uh, up until his very last year, I, I, I was not, I was, off the, you know, I had retired yep. before then, and but uh, yeah, long time, long time. Well, I I had you wanted to talk about Kevin Willard, but I, you know me, I can't escape a moment of uh, sort of bashing Mark Turgeon. Uh, just curious, when did you realize that it just wasn't going to work for Mark at Maryland? Well, yeah, you know, and and here's the thing about Mark, I I. You know, I was not of the belief that he was a bad coach, okay? Okay. Because he got to the tournament, uh, especially the last few years, 
Um, he, he, the problem with Mark is he, he, he did not win enough and he did not win at the right time, which is in, you know, end of season in March. And, and I, and for that, you know, I, I, you know, honestly, I thought, um, when they got to the sweet 16, but, but they got there by beating two double digits and then just got blown out by Kansas. Right in Louisville and then and then he got a he got a extension you know it was sort of the same thing as you know when Kevin Anderson hired Grandy Etzel and 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 um and Boomer said to me his quote was don't blame Etzel you know for being here mm-hmm. you know he, he's not the re- you know he's not it's not his fault he's here is his, was right. his quote right it was Kevin Anderson and the same was true with with Mark, you know, he, he gave, he gave Mark a, a, lo- a longer contract than he should have to start. And he gave him a longer extension after making just a one sweet 16, Gary Williams, it, you know, Debbie Yao, and obviously everybody knows about their relationship, yeah. but Gary, Gary didn't get anything near that until he won a national championship. Yeah. And, 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 and um, you know, no, I, I think Mark was a good coach. He ran a good program. He had good kids in the program. He just didn't win enough. Yeah. Now, I, I I I had stopped watching Maryland basketball. I was really wasn't watching the beginning of the season very much. Well, Don, that's um, a, that's, and, that's, but, that's my but, that's my but, point. But, Wait, let, but, let me just but, throw in a question here. Yeah, go ahead. Is, is that Mark? His crime was that nobody gave a damn about the program anymore. It used to be right. under under. Lefty, even under Bob Wade and Gary, Maryland basketball was appointment viewing for a sports fan in this in this market, and it ceased I, to be I, under I, Mark Turgeon. Well, I I take exception to the fact that it wasn't it wasn't appointment viewing under Bob Wade. It was it was still it was. was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. In fact, I've often referred to it as the Bob Wade error. E R R O R. No, I I I think that. Um, you know, the fan base was turned off and it was going to, I did a little work for the Baltimore banner, uh, before I came, came down to Florida for the winter. And, um, and you know, I said it was, you know, when, when he got hired, I was not excited about him because I thought they had hired the guy most similar to Turgeon and he's proven, proven to be wrong, proven me wrong Mm -hmm. so far. And that is that he, he has he's changed the way he, his style of play from Merrill, you know, from his days at Seton Hall, like the last game he knew last couple of games, he knew he had to play a certain way yeah. and, and, and to, to win. Cause he didn't have, he did an amazing job. He yeah. did. I, I think you can, you can forget the record, the overall record. I think he probably did the best job of a first year coach. Gary had Gary's Gary. Gary did a great job because he was dealing with all the, all the issues, yeah, yeah. you know, off the court. And he did a phenomenal job because of that, keeping that team. But, but he had three NBA players on that team. He had, he had Mustaf Williams and Massenburg mm-hmm. and, and, and Cedric Lewis and a couple other guys. Mark, Tur- I mean, um, Kevin Willard, nobody on that team will, I'll, I'll make a, a, a Nobody on that team may ever get a tryout in the NBA, yeah. like a, a legitimate tryout. I just don't think there are any NBA players on that team 
and and he turned you know and they turned the thing the coaching job they did with with Julian Reese from the beginning of the season till the end of the season now Julian Reese has a long way to go if he wants to play in the NBA because he has to develop an outside game and he has to be more consistent at the foul line he has to learn how to play help defense and there's a lot of stuff he needs to do but he he looked he looked horrible at the beginning of the year and he, he he had some really good games at the end of the year and that was the thing that you know people said about mark's teams players didn't improve teams didn't improve and kevin willis team improved a lot from the beginning of the season to the end of the season question about reese how do you how do you make him not get in foul trouble i mean what is it what is it that he's got to add to his game or subtract from his game that because it ends up it ends up defeating the whole purpose of how good a player he can be because you're constantly having to adjust to playing without your best player. Well, I, I, I would say, number one, in his defense, he's not a center. And he had to go up against guys who were much bigger okay, and stronger fair, than he is. That's a fair comment. Uh, you know, and, and once they get, like they're bringing in a kid, I don't know, I forget his name, they're bringing a kid from one of the, uh, prep schools in Florida, who's a Braden, three star, but they, Braden, they think Braden Pierce. A, Braden Pierce. Yeah, they, they think he has potential. Yeah, and and maybe they'll get somebody in the portal. Yeah, you know, they 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 didn't even you know they they played this season not only without a center, they played this season without a legitimate power forward. Yeah, you know they didn't have they didn't even you know Scott, Scott, Scott's not a uh, lost all. Yeah. No, he lost all that weight. Yep. And, 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 and honestly, I, I think that in the long run, it really didn't help him. And it didn't help Maryland because, he, you know, I think he wanted to show NBA scouts that he, he could play the three or whatever and shoot, play, play. And he can't, you know, he's a good player, solid player, but he's a four. And, and that weight, if, if he had been, if he had been too, too, 50 instead of 220, it might have might have been a different situation for Reese uh, because you know Reese had to guard guys who were bigger, stronger, more experienced for the most part. You know, and and the kid, you know, he has to be he, you know, they have to they have to, you know, they have to show him how to use his use his feet more than his hands. But yeah. that's something that will come. And you know, Grant Bill Meyer, who who did a great job with the bigs at Seton Hall with Willard. He did a phenomenal job with with Reese and, and give Reese credit too because he he you know yeah, he the put player in the work to, yeah 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 uh, the, the 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 I'm just wondering also what would you have thought of going to when you, when he plays at certain moments like sort of take five minutes in the first half five minutes in the second half and just go to a zone to protect him a little bit. Well, they, they changed defense. I mean, one of the things I was so impressed with watching them play, it was fun to watch. It was not only fun to watch him them play, it was fun to watch him coach. Yeah. I because agree. he changed up so much. And it, he was always, you know, and that was the, that was the, the, the argument and a, that was the criticism and it was a legitimate criticism of, of, of Turgeon. He didn't change very often. And even when he changed, I remember one time, he went to his zone and, you know, for the first time in years against Minnesota on the road, they went from seven down, they won by 15. They didn't, you didn't see the zone again until the end of the season when they were 14 down against LSU mm-hmm. in the, in the NCAA tournament. 
And then they, and then he went away from it again. They lost the game, <laughs> you know. So stuff like that used to drive fans crazy, me crazy, you know. And 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 but but he pushed so many right buttons this year. And Jameer Young was way better than wow. I thought he was going to be. Yep. And and the fact that he's coming back, that was the big get because he need with a young, really good recruit, potentially really good recruiting class coming in. He needed. He needs needed a couple of more experienced guys. You know, I I, I I'd like to see. I I I, I think Hakeem Hart said he's going to go into the NBA draft. Yeah. You know, yeah, or or through the portal. That's a big. You know, I, I I yeah I I I think he I think he should have come back to Maryland for a fifth year because he's 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 he came in as a seventeen year old. He's not going to the NBA. Right. He's, you know, I don't think he's going to be a highly sought after guy. You know, I mean, he's a good player. He, he probably got more, at, you know, did more than people thought he was going to do. He, he had a nice end to his career. But, you know, getting Jameer Young back is, he, you know, it's yeah. like, I, I, I don't want to say it's on the same level, but it's sort of like, um, you know, when they had next year, when they have the kid from Paul the Six coming in who, who play point. And or or run some point, and and they'll have Jameer Young running some point. It'll it'll be like Des Wells and 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 um, and uh, and Mello or Mello and 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 Cowan. Mm-hmm. And those were two pretty good, you know. Yep. And and to have a transition guy is really important for for um, his program. And and also being a Dematha guy doesn't hurt. Uh, hey Don, this is uh, Griffin. Um, wanted to see, wanted hey, to Griffin. ask you, wanted to ask you about uh, you know Kevin Willard. How like now that you, you mentioned him getting, he's going to get more of his players in, and so kind of how soon do you think we can see you know Willard reaches? And maybe a better question is you know what are reasonable expectations uh, as Willard gets it, gets his guys in here, Jameer Young coming back next year. What are reasonable expectations for next season and maybe the next two or three years? Yeah, you know I I think that getting into the tournament this year and then winning a game. Against West Virginia, you know, a team that yeah. Maryland lost to uh, in Turgeon's first, you know, year playing in the end. It was a second round game, but they they got they got you know, and the way they did it, coming back from a horrible start and then coming back from from nine down after a sixteen zero run in the second half, that's not stuff you saw teams do under under the previous coach very often, and and to do in the tournament. And, and, uh, you know, I think, I think it really, it really put them in a good position to, to build and to, and to, and to entice kids to come, you know, in the portal and then down the road recruiting, you know, the one thing I wrote in the piece for the banner back in November was, you know, his record in the NCAA tournament before this year is, was one and five. Now it's two and six, you know, he still has to prove that he can win in, in March. And, uh, but I think he's a good enough coach if he gets the players that he can do it. Um, and, uh, you know, they, a lot of it will have to do with how much money they can put together, you know, in the NIL. I mean, Maryland's in a tough situation because they were in a pro market and, and, and the people who have the money don't think that way. They think about, you know, contributing to the program or building and, you know, finally getting the indoor practice facility built. But it's not. There's no businessman stepping up and getting a getting an eight hundred thousand dollar deal like the guy at, at uh, Nigel Pack got it at um, at Miami. 
you know, you're not going to see that at a place like Maryland. And so they're going to, they're, you know, and, and, you know, and, and in that case, you know, they're going to have to compete against schools that you might be able to do that, you know, against the Michigans and Ohio States, where you may have a local businessman putting huge money together for, you know, for, for a player. We're talking to Don Marcus, professional pickleball player now, because he's retired as a professor from American University and from the Baltimore Sun. I, I had a, two, two other questions for you. Uh, Don, uh, one of them has to do with this weekend. What do you see happening with such a shocking uh, semifinal game of San Diego State of five playing Florida Atlantic at uh, a nine seed? What do you think is going to happen in that game? Well, uh, it's big down here. I'm I'm actually about five miles from the uh, FAU campus and, 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 and went to a sports bar to watch the Kansas State um, Kansas State beating uh, who they beat round before, but Michigan but State. FAU was playing Michigan the next game. We Michigan got out State. before all the college kids got in. Okay, and uh, you know, but no, I I think FAU. I I think you really have to throw out uh, any any kind of like label. You know, they they are a really good team. Yeah, I I know a friend of mine, a guy I met playing pickleball this year down here. Did you want to go to an FAU game in January? Nah, it's okay. I'm good. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I and I'm sorry I didn't go. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't go. Yeah. You know, next year maybe maybe different. Yeah. I, I think you might get a different answer next year. I'm going to an FAU game. All right. um, I you know I I think you know that I, I think that's a pick'em game. Uh, I I think FAU. I, I I haven't seen San Diego State play as much. Uh, I mean Brian Dutcher. I mean. Longtime coach. That's a great story in itself. He was an assistant under, longtime assistant under Steve Fisher. Yep. And both both at Michigan and at San Diego State. And you know, you almost want to see a guy like that who's paid his dues get to the championship game. Uh, you know, but I think that I think it'll be an entertaining game. Both teams, I think. You know, it looks like they play pretty wide open style. And uh, and then they, you know, and then the heavyweights yeah. are you know what relative heavyweights are in the in the second game. And I, I think I think UConn, I think it's UConn's tournament to lose. They are really really good. Yeah, they're very good and, and very and, well and, coached. And Danny Hurley is a yeah. You know he he seems to have calmed down a little bit. I, I remember a near brawl. He 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 almost started in Cancun against Maryland when he was coaching at Rhode Island, but he seems to have matured. Yep. yep. <laughs> and uh, he's not. You know he's 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 put together a really. Re- I mean the way. The way they, I had Gonzaga in my pool, so I'm not bitter or angry. I'm just saying, wow, they they just killed Gonzaga. Yeah, they really did, you know. And they and they they basically ended. I think they ended any hopes of Drew Timmy thinking he can play in the NBA. Yeah, because they just exposed him big time. Hey, last question I've got for you is: uh, We became pretty fond of a coach here uh, who coached the UMBC Retrievers for a couple seasons, Ryan Odom. He left here two years ago to Utah State. He got his team into the tournament, and the way the coaching carousel worked out, there was a move uh, from Penn State. That coach left, and somebody, they had to get a replacement. They got the guy from VCU, leaving open uh, sort of a homecoming for Ryan Odom. Your thoughts on the fit there uh, between Ryan Odom and VCU? Is it a long-term fit, or is it a – Two oh, or three, I, or is know, it I, a two, three, two or three year run there? 
uh, I didn't. So he he got Mike Rhodes' job. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, well, I, I well, I. Well, I know, I, I know, I know. Chris Knocky's daughter is going to be really happy because she didn't love working. He, she was her, the dob out there, and 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 uh, I think it gets her back closer to her to her home territory as well as Ryan Odom. Yeah. Uh, but um, but no, I think uh, honestly, if you look at if you look at his, the way his dad, you know, Dave. Yep. You know, he 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 was a he was a loyal guy until. You know, and 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 made one questionable move that cost him the end of his career, probably prematurely, when he left Wake Forest for for South Carolina. Yeah. And if Brian Odom learns anything, if he does a if he does a really good job there, yep. You know, I think he probably will learn from his dad. You know, go go where where you feel most comfortable. And Dave Odom was really comfortable at West at at, at Wake at Forest, Wake, yep. and not as comfortable at. South Carolina. So I think he'll be there, you know, and that's the job that these guys tend to stay at. You know, Chaka was there for a while and and then Mike Rhodes. All right. Hey, always great catching up to you and uh, we'll do it again sometime. All right, Don. All right. right. Take care. He's one of the best. Thanks. One of the best uh, basketball writers uh, who ever came through this town. Don Marcus, uh, formerly of the Baltimore Sun and a former professor at American University, now uh, pretty much a full-time pickleball player. Thoughts, Griffin? Oh, on, the, on his pickleball skills? Uh, well, I guess i got to get out to the court first and see it. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, knowing pickleball, I would imagine he'd probably still have a chance against maybe Andy Roddick and, and uh, who, who else was playing? It's McEnroe and Roddick. It's McEnroe and Roddick, and then I think there might be some current tennis players? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I'll break in, but b- while you're looking up that, I'll let folks know uh, ba- baseball season is here. And for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. That's right. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. It is John McEnroe, uh, Andre Agassi, Michael Chang, and Andy Roddick. Agassi. Agassi, yeah. And and Michael Chang. Yes. So it's interesting. It's three really sort of old. Well, in the case of Agassi, Chang, and Roddick, a little bit more current than McEnroe. Uh, but, of course, the most current is is Roddick. Roddick was playing two years ago, I think, two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. Uh, but that's, uh, it's interesting. That thing, we're going to get a big uh, pickleball tournament here around Memorial Day. Uh, oh. Yeah, Memorial Day. Are you going to be a part of it, you think? No, no? not going to be no? a part no. of it. Okay. Uh, no. I hear, by the way, I didn't want to say it to Don, I hear a lot of injuries from pickleball really you know aging people that play it uh it's a game that you don't tend to think of as and i'm not talking like dangerous life-threatening dangerous but a lot of older people it's quick moves you know and uh you got to be in a little bit of shape to play pickleball yeah um, what do you do you make anything of John Angelos just kind of I guess once again shooting down you know extension talks at this point for guys like Adley or Gunner? 
Yeah, it's going to be that's it, going to be a tricky uh, road for him to navigate because uh, when you see the Cleveland Guardians putting together deals for like Trevor Steffen, a four-year, ten million dollar deal, you wonder why wouldn't a Dylan Tate come, you know, mm-hmm. a, and start to send the message that you want people here for a while. Um, I think they're just getting out of that uh, Chris Davis contract. So I wasn't surprised not to see them immediately jump in. I, I don't, frankly, have a problem not extending uh, Gunnar Henderson right now. Really? Uh, yeah. There's no, there's, no, there's no downside to it. He doesn't control his destiny. Uh, yeah, at a certain point, yes. The guy's played, like, what, 40 games in the big leagues? I think, like, 25, I guess. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're sitting there rooting for him to collapse or something like that, let the let the let the contract that he has or his career evolve a little bit. Let it breathe a little bit before you decide you want a a seven year deal with him to buy out one or two years. Yeah, I mean, but think about you I mean you look at the Braves and they they extended Michael Harris after you know what thirty forty a Braves, quarter of a yeah, season. Yeah. Um, and and that you know it 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 invigorates a, a fan base and, and galvanizes a fan base to want to come out and support the team and and I think it would help you know with other free agents as well too knowing that they're going to be able to play with a Gunnar Henderson playing with an Adley for I think we had Eno Saris on yesterday I think that's what he said. Yeah. Um, and you know like well, that would the, help listen, learn there's going to be a tr- there's going to be a trumpet call. To, to make it happen, I just don't think it's happening now. I think, when do you let's see it happening? See, I'd say sometime during this next offseason. That's Headley. when I think you might get like a Henderson and a Rutschman. It's going to be a I long would time. Also, do you see any chance of a midseason extension? I mean, that's what like, the, the Braves no, were working out their see, extensions no, I, I in July, I think. I yeah, just like, don't see the, the need for it. I, I really don't. You don't want a lot. I mean, look, look what happened when, when they waited too long with Manny. Look at what happened. They waited too long. Manny's thing got complicated because Peter Angelos, who was so obsessed with injuries because he was an injury lawyer, he he balked at giving him the money it would have taken because the guy had had two knee surgeries. I don't really think – you, you don't want to bet against your players, but I don't think Peter should be that, that chastised for that. I Believe me, I chastised him – over how slow he was with Mike Messina. Never should have lost Mike Messina, you know. Ends up offering him just what he wanted 12, 14 months before, but you, it was too much then, but you ended up offering it to him. But, oh, he became a free agent, and the Yankees offered him 14 or 15 million more. You could have had Messina. Yeah. You know, when they I don't they be, screwed, Well, I don't want to be having that same conversation. When they screwed themselves with Messina – was when Mike Mussina did did something that was very unpopular with his union. He took a below-market extension because the Orioles said, this is how he got rewarded for that, by the way, said, we don't do pitchers for five years. So he signed a three-year deal. Tom Glavin, who was very active in the MLB Players Association, chastised him all over for taking a three-year deal. What did they do? They turned around six months later and gave Scott Erickson a five-year deal and didn't jump in to redo Mucina's contract because Peter's view of a contract, he signed that contract. Well, he signed it under some type of coercion. So I'm not automatically a fan of the way they do business. I think John is doing a great job 
and I think he will step up at the appropriate time. Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing a better job. Great job, I think, is a stretch. But I, I, the the fans need something to be excited about. And they, they at, at this point, you know, it, it's it not, seems like it's any player could all, be gone it's next not year. All about, it's not all about what people think. It's what the reality of the economics mm-hmm. are right now. And I don't think they have total control of the fortune that Peter has that they can spend the money right now. That's what a part of what I think it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, so what? So so it's going to take at least another season until they spend money. Do you think they'll be able to get away with that? Waiting, waiting, another waiting for the next off season. Get, get away with it. What, well, like, well, I mean, well, until, your, what if Gunner? Well, what if Gunner and Adley both have you know, like Gunner Adley has an MVP like season. Gunner wins the Rookie of the Year, and right. then they want two hundred million instead of a hundred million. Right. So, right. I want to see it now. Okay. All right. We'll see it. All right. We'll see it. Let me tell you about let me tell you about the Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. You know, Griffin, oh, it yeah. is good, the place good, good to spot. be. Great spot. It's a great spot and it's the place to be for Monday's college basketball championship game. The game will air on Guilford Hall's twenty two foot screen with food and drink specials during the game, including all you can drink beer for just twenty five dollars. If you haven't been to Guilford Hall Brewery yet, this is a great chance to check it out. See you at Guilford Hall Monday night for the college basketball title game. Of course, uh, Guilford Hall Brewery is one of the sites of the uh, Glenn. Uh, the the Tyus uh, Bowser Show, yeah. The Tyus Bowser, Bowser Show was there uh, last season. to call season. it the Glenn Clark Show. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I imagine Tyus. we're going to continue doing business with them uh, yeah. in the future. Especially if they extend them. I want to see the I want to see the guys in the Diamond get extended. All right. Yeah. What's next? Uh, we'll, we'll take a break, and then uh, you know, we'll wind down things. Tidbit, all right. tubular. All right. We'll do it all right after this. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443 840 
1-800-240-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC, real estate sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Not actually Glenn Clark. Stan the Fan. Yeah. Stan the Fan. We're winding things down. I'll tell you that Stan the Fan, that's yours truly, continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with the legendary Ken Singleton and Stan and Gary chatted with the Athletics' Jess Reback. We played uh, parts of that interview and dissected a little further. Find those shows under the Videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross, that's yours truly, and Ross, are back this Monday night for another great show. Don't have the guests fully lined up yet, but uh, it'll be somebody of interest. Hey, um, I watched that last game last night, the one that I cost me about $45 for $5. $45,000? No, $45. Oh, $45. It was okay. a $5 wager. Uh, Three-team parlay. Um, made, by the way, made by mistake. I somehow clicked on, don't, don't get, at my age, I clicked on the runs game. I didn't want that parlay. But... Having said oh, that, having took, said that, you didn't mean to take the run line. I, did, I meant to take the, the, money, the line. money line. Got it. But Got it. but trust me, it that, that three team parlay in the money line would have been about five dollars for fifteen dollars. You know, yeah. Because uh, I took three favorite. Uh, actually, I well, yeah. Uh, Texas was favorite. Boy, that was a terrible outing by DeGrom. Jacob Degrom. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, wanted to see though. Did you notice anything about Otani's performance last night? Other than the fact he struck out ten batters in six innings and left with a one nothing lead. Yeah, it was incredible. He did a thing uh, that only 20, 25 other players have done on opening day. I'll mention it in tubular, just a little tease. Uh, but uh, I mean, he was just—I mean, he was on it. Like, yeah, he—I what Had, was he? He was using the pitch com, right? He and, was using the pitch com, so he was 
he was calling his own game last gotcha. night, which is wow. pretty pretty impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, um, <laughs> an amazing thing happened in that game. I'm pretty sure it was that Phil Nevin he got Herget to pitch the seventh, and why he went to Aaron Loop in the eighth, I'll never know. But Loop ended up. Uh, the dam busted there. But I don't think the Angels looked like they were going to score more than one run, so I wouldn't have won anyway. No, yeah. But I mean, the A's beat the Angels late last night. Yeah. Three to one. When do we start talking about, you know, kind of, you know, people can complain that, uh, that, that you know, the Orioles or the Pirates are bad or the Tigers even are bad for baseball and the, and the tanking that, that goes on. Um, but how much worse do you think the Angels are? They have two, they have the two best players in the world on the same team and yeah. they're they consistently are you know subpar and well, under 500 it'll, and, it'll and, be and, interesting to see what they do this year they've added a couple pieces to go with those two two players to me a key is anthony rendon staying healthy yeah that will he help. had he had should a, help i mean yeah. he had a remarkable spring he hit 500 Ooh. but more importantly when they wanted him to play he was available to play uh but they also picked up hunter dozier uh, Hunter Renfro, yes, right. Renfro, Hunter Renfro. Renfro, they 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 suffered a little bit of a setback. Jared Walsh uh, is hurt. Mm. Um, he's, on, he's on Team Daddies. He's on Team Daddies. You yeah. paid way too much for Jared Walsh. Too. Steve really wanted him. Okay, and I was like, all right. I thought he was a not eight or nine dollar player, and I wanted to steal him at eight or nine. So maybe twelve, but you paid six or sixteen. <laughs> Or I, think so. I think it was 15. It might have been 15 or 16. Okay. Yeah. I think it was a little more than 15. But anyway, he's hurt, which helps me because Louis, Luis Rengifo mm. will now play second until Walsh comes back. Walsh apparently, I think, is having some anxiety stuff going uh. on. I think that's what's going on with him. But there's another player that has anxiety, and that's Daniel Bard of the of Colorado the Rockies. Rockies. Yeah. I wouldn't have much stress if I pitched for the Rockies because I know you're going to be you know a last-place team. No, oh. I know you're going to be a last-place team. That is a bad, bad team. Yeah, they're not a great team. Um, yeah, not a uh, great my, team. My, my uncle lives in Colorado. He's a Rockies fan. So Good kinda, for him. Kinda, good. Kinda. Somebody's got to be a Rockies yeah, fan. <laughs> I mean, they got they and they do have a good fan base. I mean, they drew a lot of people when they were good. Are there any other big takeaways uh, from the opening day, the first opening day since 1968 that saw all every t- MLB team in action on, on for the first day at the same time? I just have one question about the Major League Baseball season. It's now upon us. I thought ESPN would have MLB across its, you know. <laughs> What do they call that? Across the, like their headline, their head, the, their the, head, the headers, the headers. In other words, it's got NFL, NBA, NCAA men's, NCAA women, but then you have to, you have to get the drop-down menu to bring you the MLB to click on it. So, um, my only, I see MLB. My only acknowledgments about yesterday. Let me see scores of the games. Let me just give you. A Aaron quick. Judge hit the first home run of the season. That was seemed apropos. The Mets got by. The Mets got by the uh, Miami Marlins, Marlins, despite the fact Scherzer didn't go real deep in the game. The Yankee, the uh, Washington Nationals are in for a really long season. They Again. are god awful. Uh, Max Fried got hurt. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that could be team. that could be a tough injury. Uh, Garrett we, Cole we pitched more? a brilliant game. Anthony Volpe uh, 
uh, heard the Bleacher Creatures chant his name during his first roll call. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Orioles get away with a win, ten to nine. Uh, Cubs surprisingly beat the Brewers easily, four to nothing, behind uh, Marcus Stroman. The Rays, not surprisingly, got a shutout performance by Shane McClanahan and others uh, as they shut out the Tigers four to nothing. Rangers, as we talked about, um, blasted Jacob Degrom. I think they had like a seven or eight run seven, inning. I think it was. Yeah. Was it a seven run inning? It yeah. was a nine. Or t- Texas had a nine yeah. run inning. And the Twins got a really good performance out of Pablo Lopez and their bullpen. Shut out um, Zach Granke and the Royals two to nothing in Kansas City. Uh, Astros lost their first opening day game for since I think in eleven years. Yeah, three to two. Mm-hmm. Three to two. Uh, and, Dylan Seas and uh, Dylan Seas pitched terrific. So did Valdez. Seas the bullpen. Seas last year had only one game last year. He was a he was a Cy Young runner up. He had one game last year where he didn't walk anybody. So he had walked somebody in every single outing, right. and he was still second in Cy Young. Right. He didn't walk anybody last night in in his first game of the he year. Pitched, so he pitched. He's going to only get better. Yeah, he and Valdez pitched brilliantly. Montero gave up a big game tying home run to uh, Yasmani Grandal. And then the Red Sox, I mean the White Sox, scored a couple runs in the ninth. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, who was on my team, and I decided not to keep him. He'll drive in 115 this year. You think so? Uh, Rockies shocked the Padres in San Diego. And Blake Snell, behind six or seven good innings by Jermaine uh, Marquez. Athletics edged the um, Angels 2-1. Dodgers get an easy 8-2 victory. Uh, Urias uh, pitched really, really well. And the Mariners shut out the uh, Guardians behind Luis Castillo on Route 66, my fantasy baseball team, uh, (laughs) shut out the Guardians 3-0. He did not get the win, though, the winning pitcher in that game. Munoz got the save. The winning pitcher was Paul Sewald. Any uh, anything to look for uh, over the weekend? Do you think anything that sticks out? <laughs> Anxious to see how the Orioles do. You know, mm-hmm. it, it would really be sweet if they could get a sweep up in Boston. It would. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I, Especially I, that team. I think their offense is going to be pretty good. I, I think, think so too. I mean, yeah. that if I'm, what do you think if you Ramon Arias like? You know, builds off of what he did last year, and I don't know, by the All-Star break has 10, 15 home runs. He's driven in a lot. Do you think he would be a trade piece? Well, you know, it's it's fascinating. I think he or Frazier would be a, a trade piece. Uh, the Orioles probably have some control over um, uh, Urias, uh, whereas, uh, you Not know, Frazier's they'd be, a, Frazier's a, one, a mercenary. Uh, I like Frazier, though. He, you saw a professional at-bats from him yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought the one tweak in the lineup that really just like was a slap in the face, I just slapped my face and boy that hurt. Uh, was I expected Gunnar Henderson to be the third baseman? Yeah. And then I said, well, Arias was the Gold Glover. He was the Gold Glover. Yeah. Uh, but it it kind of shocked me, and I think it's not a bad idea to give Gunnar a few days, you know, so he's not stressed, you know. Yeah. A lot of pressure yeah. in baseball. That's why I think uh, Ramon Arias could be a very valuable trade piece, if because I mean you, you want Gunner playing every day, prob- like you know in the field. Uh, so so I, you know, once you trade Arias, he yeah, would so much to the base. so much is made of trading prospects. 
and and you usually think in terms of trading two prospects for a really good pitcher, trading Urias with a couple of years of eligibility and one prospect for a top flight pitcher uh, might be kind of interesting. Time for tidbit. Yep, sounds good. You want to tell everybody uh, who's bringing tidbit to them? Why don't you? Oh me? Okay. Well, I, you want to hold, hold it up? We got the press box, uh, the latest edition of the press box print edition. Oh. Yeah, you got it. Gunnar Henderson is on the cover. Story written by Luke Jackson. Is that correct, Stan? Yeah, it is correct. That is correct. Um, and yes, yeah, so you can you know preview the MLB season as it gets underway. And uh, what else is in there? You talk, got a lot of lacrosse. A lot of lacrosse stuff. Um, both smoke Post and break down, down the Ravens, uh, the Ravens off-season, off-season of wide receiver issues. Wide receiver and hell, I guess we can call it. Yeah, yeah, the wide receiver hell. I don't think that he uses more graceful language. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But the key to the uh, issue is so far, so fast. Mm. Uh, the story of Gunnar Henderson and his quick move up the ladder in minor league baseball. Let's lock him down. Extend him. Extend him. Yeah. Okay. Right now, today. You made your point. Tomorrow. You made your point. Uh, I don't think John's going to do can everyone, that. Where can everyone get that press box print? What's that? Where's, where can everyone find the press box print edition? Oh, they can find that at 60 Royal Farms locations and over 500 locations throughout the city and counties. All right, so Shohei Otani, uh, his outing was the, he became the 26th, well, I guess not 26th player, but it was the 26th ever uh, outing on opening day where a player uh, went six six innings and had 10 strikeouts without allowing so a run. So I guess 26 day. people? Yeah, yeah, well, 25. You're, no, you're kidding. No, I'm kidding. Yes, no, you don't need to guess. You don't need to guess those. Uh, however, so those te- those players, those <laughs> games, those teams. You got me on that. Yeah. Had been 25-0. and 0. When their pitcher went six innings, ten strikeouts, no runs allowed on opening day, twenty-five and zero. Shohei Otani does it. What do the Angels do? Lose. They lose. So it's now one and twenty-five. One and twenty-five is wow. the teams that face that pitcher. That is that's an interesting tidbit. Yes. Um. And okay. So still, the still stolen bases numbers are already up dramatically, like two hundred percent. Actually, no, 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 four hundred percent. On opening day last year, uh, there were five stolen bases. Four caught stealing, so five for nine. 56% success rate, stealing the bases in 2022. Uh, yesterday, the Orioles stole five bases by themselves. They had five stolen bases against the Red Sox. Reese McGuire was not, didn't really even attempt. After about the fourth inning, he wasn't even trying to. Uh, it's almost like they had a robo-catcher. A robo-catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't even, he, he wasn't showing up. So yesterday, there were 21 stolen bases across Major League Baseball. Two, and how many were there last year? Five. Five. On opening day. Interesting. Uh, two caught stealing, so 21 for 23 uh, uh, runners were on the base pads. I wonder how many out of those 23 rates. attempts there was no throw. We said all yeah. five of the Orioles uh, barely got a throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the Orioles did steal five bases in a game. It, it was the They had one game last year where they stole five bases as a team. Um, and then they did that in 2019. So in the last 20 seasons, the Orioles have stolen a have had seven games. Let me make sure I get my math right here. Four, five, six. Sorry, six was well, the seventh game in the last 20 years where the Orioles had five stolen bases in a game. Um, and they had only had you know 2004 they had it they did it once. 2005 they did it once. 2007 they did it once. They only did it once a season. They did it on opening day already. So do yeah. you think we have more? Uh, five stolen base games for the Orioles. I think with I Mateo, I think with Mateo and uh, Mullins, I would definitely think. I think the Orioles may do that like ten times this year. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder how much of it because the bases are they're bigger. 
but it's not like they're like crazy, crazy bigger. How much of it do you think it is just players like, oh, well, the bases are bigger. I might as well steal. Also, I mean, we saw with Adam Frazier too, because the bases being bigger isn't the only rule that affects this, the the stolen base rate. It's because the player, the pitcher can only throw over twice, right? Well, I think the other thing is don't underestimate how much the pitcher is kind of concentrating on getting the the ball delivered in time. It changes the mindset where I think some of what they were able to take advantage of yesterday wasn't that they were slow to the plate. It's that they just were concentrating on so much mm-hmm. that they didn't pay any attention to the base runner. Yeah, and that's what we saw. With, I mean, Adam Frazier essentially walked to second yeah. and when he stole his base. I mean, I think it's fair to say that there's a decent chance that Mullins and Mateo, if they are healthy, both start 140-plus games. Yeah. They could steal 90 to 100 bases oh, between the two of them. I mean, they're on pace for, uh, what, 360? Yeah, 320 <laughs> right now. 320. Oh, yeah, 320. Yeah. <laughs> is what they're on, both on pace for. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a fun battle to see them going head to head trying to win the American League uh, stolen base crown. Um, Shohei Otani, as, I, as mentioned, did have 10 strikeouts. It was his 17th career game with 10 strikeouts. Um, he has his way. Has some ways to go to, before catching the Kings uh, of ten strikeout games. So I want to ask you: There are two pitchers who have uh, two hundred twelve or more games of ten strikeouts. There are only two. Two hundred twelve. They have two. They've done it. They had struck out. They had ten strikeouts two hundred twelve times. Well, it's got to be Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan is first. Two hundred fifteen games. Now of my 10 first strikeouts. guess would be Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver is not. On this is not second. How about the lefty, Steve Carlton? Steve Carlton is not second. He is eighth on this list. He had 84 games of 10 strikeouts. Two, 200. So it's got to be somebody. How about Jim Bunning? Uh, not Jim Bunning. Okay. Can you give me a hint? Uh, it's 212 is one guy, Stan. You should know this one. He, he Let's see. He played uh, in the last 30 years. Last 30 years, 212. Big Jim stri- Palmer? Not Jim Palmer. 30 years. 30 years ago. Played 30. Played I guess 30. He, he last played, I guess, like only like 15 or 20 years ago when he last played. Okay. I, get, I used up Nolan Ryan. The other guy that came to mind, but I don't think he would have had enough longevity, was J.R. Richard. Not J.R. Richard. Big left-hander? Tall, yeah, left-hander. Big tall guy. Don Drysdale? Not Don Drysdale. He's a left. He's not a left-hander, though. No, he he is. Sandy well, Koufax. Sandy Koufax is sixth. He is not second, though. And I guess Steve Carlton. This is not coming easily to me. He he played for the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. Most recent. Oh, Randy Johnson. Randy okay, Johnson. Okay. Yes, Randy Johnson. Yeah. Two hundred twelve games. Didn't even pop into my mind. I know, Stan. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so those so two hundred twelve for Randy Johnson. He is second on the list. The thir- third guy on this list, only 110 games uh, of and who was 10 that? strikeouts. That is Max Scherzer, 110 games of 10 wow. strikeouts. You want to try to guess who was uh, fourth and fifth? They're both Red Sox. Well, they, they were both Roger Red Sox. Clemens. Roger Clemens is uh, also had 110 right. of 10 strikeouts. And another Red Sox pitcher, Sale? Not Chris Sale. Chris Hill is 78, oh, uh, though. He Martinez, is, Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, 108, rounds out yeah. the top five for most games. I should with be ashamed not knowing uh, Randy Johnson. Yeah, you should. I won't yeah. let you forget either. All right. Don't, don't ever let me forget. Okay, I won't. Uh, we'll is Seaver anywhere? In he there? was uh, He was like eighth. No, he was like 13th-ish. In and that with era. how many? Se- 70 games for Tom Seaver. 70 only. How about Jim Bunning? 
Jim Bunning, um, he had 51 games further wow. down the list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you know, reasonable guesses. Yeah. Not 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 correct. Not Was correct. Jr. Richard anywhere? In the I did not see Jr. Richard on the okay. list. Okay. Well, he didn't he didn't stay healthy I'll enough for that. Give you the tubular rundown here. Uh, some some of the sports. Obviously, the women's final four uh, is starts tonight. So you got uh, LSU, Virginia Tech. Both both of those games will be on ESPN. LSU, Virginia Tech, Angel Reese of LSU. Mm-hmm. That game's at seven. Iowa, South Carolina will follow about a half hour after that one. Um, also on ESPN, Boston and Navy lacrosse will be on CBS Sports Network tonight at 7.30. Maryland baseball will take on Iowa at 4.30 on the Big Ten Network also tonight. Uh, MLB Network's going to have Mets Marlins or Rockies Padres, depending where you are. No, they should have both of them. Um, and uh, at 6.30, Mets Marlins, 9.30 for the Rockies Padres. Only five games in Major League Baseball yeah. today. Um, yeah, but then we got a full slate for, I don't know, like the next week and a half. Yeah. Uh, Magic and Wizards will be on NBC Sports Washington tonight at seven. Um, FX. That's Do the really Wizards have any chance of making a playoff? No, no. Uh, well, they're they're technically they really still alive. Th- yeah. Yesterday they were, or two days ago when I checked, they were two and a half games out of the final spot, and they're like five games remaining. Yeah. In the season, so they, they blew their opportunity need a opportunity about three weeks ago. They went on a bad stretch. Uh, Bellator 293 on Showtime tonight. Marcelo Golan versus Daniel James. We'll see that. Um, Glenn will probably want me to m- mention the WWE and AEW tonight. Fox for WWE SmackDown. TNT for AEW Rampage. And then on Peacock at 10 is going to be the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Who are your picks, Dan? The, for, <laughs> for which Hall of Fame? <laughs> for the WWE induction ceremony. Oh God! I would guess. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's probably already been announced. Uh, not, not our, not our cup of tea. We don't. Doctor Jerry Graham. Maybe I don't know. I, I honestly. Bruno San Martino. Couldn't tell you. Uh, the Orioles will play the Red Sox at four on Masson two tomorrow. Dean Kramer, Chris Sale, as we mentioned. Uh, CBS will have the final four games uh, tomorrow, uh, starting at six. FAU San Diego State at six. Half hour after that will be UConn Miami. That's on CBS. Um, Flow Sports will have Towson Stony Brook Lacrosse at two. Michigan Maryland Lacrosse will be on at on ESPNU, followed by Rutgers Johns Hopkins at three. Mount St. Mary's will be on ESPN Plus at noon. Uh, Loyola at three thirty on ESPN Plus. Both of those on ESPN Plus. Stevenson plays Lebanon Valley at one. Lebanon, it's Lebanon, Lebanon Valley. Lebanon Valley. UMBC Lacrosse on America East TV against Albany at three. Nationals play at four against the Braves on Masson. That is tomorrow. Uh, you know the rest. The rest of Saturday's rundown. Go to glennclarkradio.com for totally tubular. On Sunday, Orioles will also be on Masson two. So the Orioles get Masson two uh, all three games this weekend. Why? I'm sorry. Orioles get Masson two for all three games this weekend. I'm not sure why. Okay. Cole Irvin, Tanner Houck at one thirty on Sunday, and then uh, at three thirty will be the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Uh, we'll. We'll know who's in that game after tonight. Maryland women's lacrosse will play at Michigan on BTN. Uh, Maryland baseball uh, against Iowa, BTN+. Plus. Nationals will be on Masson at 1.30. On Sunday, uh, the Wizards-Knicks will be on NBC Sports Washington. And uh, that does it for about the sports highlights. WWE WrestleMania Night 2 on Peacock on Sunday night. The non-sports highlights for you. Um, Stan, I'm sure I've got one in here that I can make you care about. Uh, Party Down season three finale. You probably haven't seen that. No. Uh, how about Die Hard two? Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. What With is Kevin die- Hart? Kevin Hart oh. is uh, it's it's called Die Harder. Die Harder. This is on the Roku channel. 
Um, I, I can't imagine. Can't it's wait, got, I can't, can't imagine. wait to see that. Can't wait to it's see that. It's too good. Uh, Murder Mystery 2 movie comes out on Netflix with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. They're just going to be solving murders. Murder Mystery 2. Um, and then we have Tetris, the movie premiere on Apple TV+. Plus. This one actually looks pretty good with Taron Egerton. It's the history, essentially, of how the Tetris game started. And uh, and uh, I'm actually kind of... I'm going to have to check that one out at some point because Taron Egerton goes to the Soviet Union back in like the 80s and 90s because he has to make a deal with them to create the Tetris game that everyone loves. All right. And Saturday Night Live will be hosted by Quinta Brunson on Saturday night. Musical guest, Lil Yachty. Stan loves some Lil Yachty. I liked, uh, I liked uh, his relative, Uncle, Uncle Yachty. Uncle Yachty. Uncle Yachty. You didn't like Lil Yachty? You yeah. like Uncle Yachty. Yeah. Uh, Sunday Night Succession and Lucky Hank uh, on at both at 9 o'clock on I watched the first. Is this episode three coming up of Lucky Hank? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. I I watched episode one, and really liked it. I love Bob Odenkirk. Yes. So so does Glenn. I mean, who doesn't really? Hey, I was remiss at not reading something. You know, my power rankings are back. I was going to ask you right before we left. Yeah. They they they. I ran them this week. It was my all inclusive with comments about every team, all thirty teams. Now the rest of the season I'll have comments on the top 10 each week, but I will rank 1 through 30. Uh, and um, A.J. Michaels, name, legendary name in the business <laughs> world here, they're sponsoring oh, okay. my power rankings and, power and one of the Zooms. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Let me spell that. A-J-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S.com. AJMichaels.com. Welcome aboard. And with AC season, don't wait until all of a sudden there's a 95-degree day and your AC hasn't been tested. So call them or reach out to them at ajmichaels.com. When uh, when's your next power rankings coming up? They're going to come out this Monday. Okay. So but it's the interesting. There's not a heck of yeah, a, lot, a lot, you know, to there's not a analyze. lot though. There's only like four games, but I'll rank them. I doubt there'll be any real substantive changes. Orioles will be one, I guess, after they sweep the Red Sox. Probably. Yeah. Probably there's okay. a good chance of that. All right. Hey, this has been fun. It has been fun. Uh, we'll Th- be back Monday. Glenn and I will be back. We'll, you know, and I'll be back the, next uh, national Friday. Championship. All right. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Got sounds good. the uh, Zooms coming up Monday night Grim with R- Ross Grimsley at 6, and then Gary Stein at 7 on Thursday night. Sounds right. sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, we'll be back Monday. Jeremy Kahn will preview the you know the national championship. We'll see if any new Lamar news comes out and hopefully celebrating an uh, Orioles opening weekend sweep. Uh, as Glenn says, do you want to take us out, Stan? Uh, go local teams. Go birds. Yeah. And then what's the final thing he says? I don't say that. Duke, you don't say that? No. Well, I'll say it. Duke sucks.